from the high desert and the great American Southwest, I bid you all good morning, good evening. Out across all these many time zones, some of which are beginning to experience Halloween now, some will soon, and some not for a while. Stretching from the Hawaiian Islands and Tahiti in the west, all the way to the U.S. Caribbean Virgin Islands in the east, south into South America, north all the way to the pole, this is Ghost to Ghost AM. <laughs> good morning, everybody. It's good to be with you. I have a number of announcements and a little bit of the standard news for you that we must cover. Quickening items, big time. They'll kind of mesh in the ghost to ghost throughout the night. Now, we have to welcome a whole bunch of new stations. And so let me get that out of the way right now. What a pleasure it is to welcome... The Big Monster WJR in Detroit. What an auspicious evening for you to begin. Morning there now. 760 on the dial, 50,000 big watts blazing through the nighttime mid-America. And uh, so we're glad to have you on board. Good to be on WJR. WHAM. 50,000 gigantic non-directional Halloween watts from Rochester, New York. Good to have you on board. Big, big affiliates. Also, WFMD in Frederick, Maryland. Uh, 9.30 on the AM dial. Welcome to the program, serving into uh, portions of Baltimore and Washington, D.C. and so forth. And WTAD AM in Quincy, Illinois. Welcome, WTAD. Good to have you along. Now, what to, uh, what to begin with? Well, first of all, the uh, secular, <laughs> secular news of the day. Quebec is not going to do it. The final vote was awfully close. Uh, it was a Canadian hair. The yeses take it. Uh, uh, rather, uh, did not take it uh, and missed it by about six-tenths, seven-tenths, I guess you'd say, of eight percent. Uh, the yes votes were 49.4. The no votes, 50.6. So Quebec, Canada will stay together. And um, I must say that, uh, that I'm happy uh, for them, uh, those that are happy. I'm happy for you. Splitting up any country is not too cool an idea. A person that I have had, and, and for all the new listeners out there, it's just impossible to explain my program. We do all kinds of unusual things all the time. And I never know from night to night what we're going to do. I will tell you this. We don't screen calls. I have no call screener. Don't want one. Don't have any need for one. I've been doing the program this way for about 11 years. By the way, the affiliate count now is 230 affiliates nationwide. So I never know what's going to happen. I do the program actually uh, five hours per night. 
And if I had to come down here and do a Rush Limbaugh, and I like Rush, but I don't do what he does. If I had to do that, I would absolutely go crackers. God, I can't believe it. My wife, my wife has candles all over my room. I am appropriately decorated for Halloween, and she, I don't know where she found it, but she found, it does have one, two, three, four, five fingers. She brought me this candle that is burning in here, and it is a hand. Five fingers, a hand and five fingers. And as the candle burns, blood runs, or red, <laughs> red wax, I guess, but what sure does look like blood, runs down individually from each finger, staining the hand with blood as it drips. God, what a weird candle. And from here in, in, in uh, rural Nevada as well, I don't know where you would find such a thing. But it is here. And the room is scattered with burning candles. Uh, my picture of Shannon Dougherty has been desecrated. It says, I want your soul. <laughs> with an S in a circle around it. Then there's a pumpkin sitting here. So I'm appropriately outfitted for Halloween. Something a little sobering for you before we begin Ghost to Ghost. People are saying, what, what's Ghost to Ghost? You're about to find out. We have had a man, uh, a good friend of mine, is a man named Gordon Michael Scallion. He is, in my opinion, if there is such a real thing as a prophet or a visionary, Gordon Michael Scallion is the modern-day Edgar Casey. no question about it. Aside from a fax, which I got from him recently, saying, Art, look, no change. I'd come on the program, but no change in my predictions. Many of you may recall, his last words to us were, Whatever you do, watch Vesuvius and Etna. I wonder if any of you recall that. Watch Vesuvius and Etna. Gordon Michael Scallion is predicting earth changes that would... Uh, uh, make what we're going to do this morning seem like kid stuff. Well, my jaw hit my chest when I watched CBS Sunday Night News. Mount Vesuvius in Italy. There has been not much since 1944 where 50 died in a very minor explosion. Before that, 79 A.D. in Pompeii, 25,000 people dead. CBS said Vesuvius may be about to go up again. Experts are saying a series of quakes may be signaling a new major eruption. There is a voluntary evacuation called for, but uh, where 25,000 in Pompeii lived uh, within striking distance of Pompeii, there are now 500 thousand and they're not going to leave. Scallion said watch Vesuvius and Etna and I just sat there. I couldn't believe it. I actually woke my wife up. I said you've got to see this uh, report. Richard in uh, East Central California simply sent a fax saying Vesuvius is going to blow. They're encouraging voluntary evacuation. I'm moving inland. Could I interest you in some California land? No. Small um, 
earthquake in Alaska over the weekend. Uh, 4.8, something like that. Nothing uh, too serious. They have turned on Beta, the billion-channel extraterrestrial array. It is to look for aliens, to look for others anywhere out there. A major effort to find out if anybody is out there. Outside Boston, there is an 84-foot radio telescope. It is big. It's got new electronics. It is the private sector version, if you will, of, um, uh, of um, SETI. SETI, as you know, has been defunded, but this one just turned on. There are, it is estimated, 100 million planets in our galaxy that may in all probability contain intelligent life. I said 100 million that may contain intelligent life. Scientists say it is not a matter of if we find them, but when. And so they are hoping that we will get a signal, and they are confident that we will. Also, over the weekend, Wright-Patterson, as you know, Air Force Base in near, or in Dayton, Ohio, near, um, is a very, very unlikely place for Middle East peace talks. Very unlikely. And yet, they are going to be held there, according to CBS News Sunday, in the strictest security. And uh, then, of course, if all goes well or badly, depending on your point of view, we get to send 20 or 25,000 men into an area where there are at least 100,000 land mines waiting to take their limbs. One more item. I call it, you will hear the phrase used on this program. I call it the quickening. I've been doing talk radio now for... Oh, this show, actually, for 11 years, talk radio longer than that. And whether you're talking about social, economic, political matters, it doesn't matter. In every area of life all around the world, things are beginning to occur at a faster pace. Now, I am not a Bible thumper, nor do I say we are headed toward some religious uh, manifestation or change. I don't say that. I'm just telling you as a talk host, I'm watching very carefully, and to me it is more than obvious that we are headed towards something big. Some big change, some big something. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just a talk host. I'm telling you I call it the quickening. And to add to it, there is a mystery epidemic sweeping northwestern Nicaragua. It has now infected thousands of people, killing 12 so far. Doctors unable to stop it. Clinics in a town of 13,000 say they have been deluged by patients from rural areas complaining of bleeding of the nose, gums, headaches, body aches, severe fatigue. In dramatic form, patients have come in and collapsed in the unit. One doctor uh, told Reuters, all we can do is halfway stabilize them and send them off to Lyon. They only go to die there. So we have got another one 
ladies and gentlemen, a new mysterious disease of some kind. We don't know what it is, uh, but we do know that it is. All right, in a moment, we are going to start down a very different path. Interesting as all of that news may be, there will be lots of airtime in the next several days to talk about it. Because this morning, we are going to, I don't know if the word is celebrate, but we are going to, hmm, what is the word? We are going to make significant notes of Halloween. And we are going to do it in a serious way. And before I even begin, I want to lay down a few ground rules. Number one, no jokes. I'm only interested in serious, and I mean serious and true, ghost stories. There are plenty of them. Is there life after death? It is probably one of the biggest questions um, troubling mankind has been since probably we've been walking around thinking about stuff like this. Well, one sure way, one possible way, I guess I ought to say, to determine if there is life, a spirit that exists beyond the one we have with the physical body that increasingly burdens us as we travel down life's long-toothed highway, if there is some spirit that lives beyond the body, one way and one area of exploration is obviously the spirit world. It's uh, been quite some time now, but on this very day, across much of America, back, I believe, in 1926, Harry Houdini died. Why do you suppose he died on Halloween? Just coincidence? Perhaps. At any rate, back to my ground rules. Um, I want only serious stories, um, ghost stories of one sort or another. And that's what we're going to do all night long. Now, the audience had a big talk about it last week. Now, obviously, when I come on the air tomorrow night in this time zone, it still will be Halloween. So we will do tonight in totality. Tomorrow night will be partial, depending on how it goes. But on this program, we celebrate. We note profoundly this day. Celebrate is the wrong word. So, in a moment, a couple of stories to prep you for what's coming. All right, here is a true but bizarre story. Now, this is still not yet quite Halloween fodder. But I wanted you to hear it. On March 23, 1994, the medical examiner viewed the body of Ronald Opus and concluded that he died from a shotgun wound of the head. Not unusual yet in our society. The descendant had jumped from the top of a ten-story building intending to commit suicide. He left a note to that effect indicating his despondency. As he fell past the ninth floor, his life was interrupted by a shotgun blast through a window, which killed him instantly. Bear in mind, the fellow had jumped out of a very high floor, but 
as he came by floor number nine, his head literally was blown off through by a shotgun. Neither the shooter nor the decedent was aware that a safety uh, that a safety net had been erected on at the eighth floor level to protect some window washers, and that Opus would not have been able to complete his suicide anyway because of that. Strange. Ordinarily, uh, Dr. Mills continued, quote, a person who sets out to commit suicide ultimately succeeds, even through the mechanism, even though it might not be what he really intended, the uh, that Opus was shot on the way to certain death nine stories below probably would not have changed his mode of death from suicide to homicide, but the fact that his suicidal intent would not have been successful caused the medical examiner to feel that he had homicide on his hands. The room on the ninth floor where the shotgun blast emanated was occupied by an elderly man and his wife. Get this. They were arguing, and he was threatening her with the shotgun. He was so upset that when he pulled the trigger, he completely missed his wife, and the pellets went through the window hitting Opus, who was on the way to his, what he thought was his death anyway. When one intends to kill subject A, but kills subject B in the attempt, one is guilty of the murder of subject B. When confronted with this charge, the old man and his wife were both adamant that neither one of them knew the shotgun was loaded. The old man said it had been his long-standing habit to threaten his wife with an unloaded shotgun. He had no intention to murder her. Therefore, the killing of Opus appears to be an accident. That is to say, the gun had been accidentally loaded. The continuing investigation, get this, turned up a witness who saw the old couple's son loading the shotgun about six weeks prior to the fatal incident. It transpired that the old lady had cut off her son's financial support, and the son, knowing the propensity of his father to use the shotgun in a threatening way, loaded the gun with the expectation that his father would shoot his mother. The case now becomes one of murder on the part of the son for the death of Ronald Opus. Can you believe it? There was an exquisite twist. Further investigation revealed that the son... Ronald Opus had become increasingly despondent over the failure of his attempt to engineer his own mother's murder. This is what led him to jump off the ten-story building on March 23rd, only to be killed by a shotgun blast through a ninth-story window. The medical examiner closed the case as that of a suicide. So, there you got it. The weirdest but uh, true story I could possibly have found for you to kick off Halloween 1995. That one is weird, but it is true. And maybe it's true that there is sometimes a very immediate kind of justice for those who would do evil. All right, prepare yourselves. It's coming. Ghost to Ghost, AM is next.
good morning from the high desert. In time zones across America, it is Halloween. And this is Ghost to Ghost AM. My name is Art Bell. Normal talk radio is suspended. Not that what I do is all that normal most of the time anyway. But on this day, it's nothing but ghost stories all night long. I suggest you do as I have done and turn down the lights. You've got the nerve. Because some of what you're going to hear tonight is going to curl your hair or stand it up. Isn't this great? <laughs> Could you stand to take this piece of music and go to a graveyard on this night? I think not. Well, all right, everybody, here we go. <laughs> Here's one. I've got uh, a whole group of stories for you, uh, which have come from all of you. And I have simply chosen some of them to kick off everything. Art, my first experience occurred in the early 70s. I was doing some college radio on WPKNFM in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Now, alone, that's pretty spooky. There was a legend in the town of Easton nearby about a swamp monster, a Sasquatch type of creature. We decided to do a Halloween special in search of the Eastern Monster, so we wanted it to be a serious program. We researched past sightings, interviewed locals, even procured volunteers from the community to go along with us to verify our findings, or lack thereof. The night of the expedition finally arrived. We loaded up three cars with personnel, audio, camera equipment, took off to the side of a reservoir where sightings had been recorded. All three cars pulled off to a small clearing between the roads and the reservoir. We turned off the engine, sat there in the darkness, waiting, audio recorders rolling, cameras ready to shoot. Not a person spoke. Suddenly, at the exact same moment in all three cars, verified later by listening to the tapes, at least one person in each car yelled, Let's get the hell out of here. There was no communication between the cars. We all quickly drove back to the radio station, nobody speaking a word en route. When we got there, our producer had the foresight to suggest that no one say anything, but simply take a piece of paper and write down what had scared us. When we compared notes, we all had written the same thing. We had seen the figure of a woman around 30, with long flowing hair and a long white gown floating down the center of the road. She was transparent. As we were not looking for a ghost, this could hardly be considered group hypnosis. We had been looking for a Sasquatch, needless to say. We were all terribly unnerved and immediately canceled the special, telling our audience... There had been technical difficulties. 
That is from Steve Fisher in Bellevue, Washington. And it is but one of several broadcast-related stories of this sort that I have for you this morning. I'm telling you right now, there are things that we do not understand, and there are many people out there that um, uh, put them off as this or that. I am not one of those people. To sort of uh, set the mood for you, I am not going to be fooling around with weird little sound effects and that sort of thing through the night because I think that takes away from the reality of what we're going to do. You know, I'm not going to make a joke out of it, but I do have a couple of sound effects collected over the last couple of weeks that I may use. The first I'm going to let you hear is, remember, there's a lot of new listeners out there. Um, I do a show on Sunday called Dreamland that deals with this kind of material all the time. Linda Howe, widely reputed to be uh, the world's, I say, expert, she doesn't like that term, um, investigator, she is a journalist, uh, who looks into um, uh, crop circles, animal mutilations, and Sasquatch of late, um, sent to me a uh, tape of a sound of what is said to be Bigfoot. And try and imagine yourself out in the middle of the woods, in the middle of nowhere, Brace yourself. If you've got a cat on your lap, get it off now. <laughs> I'm telling you. This is the sound sent to me by Linda Howe. The sound of Sasquatch. like to hear that sound out in the middle of the night somewhere, hmm? So if I use any sound effects, it'll be this and one other. And that's it. And that's because they are said to be the real thing, which is what I want from you this morning. The real thing. If you've got a ghost story and you can tell it well, then I encourage you to pick up the telephone, and I guess I better cover the, uh, the phone business uh, right now, and then we'll go to the lines. All right? Here it is. If you have never called this program before, call, feel free to call, our first-time caller line. It is area code 702-727-1222. 702-727-1222. Or you may wish instead to try what we call the wild card lines, area code 702-727-1295. 702-727-1295. Toll free from west of the Rockies, anywhere west of the Rockies, it's 1-800-618-8255. 1-800-618-8255. East of the Rockies, anywhere east of the Rockies, toll free, it's 1-800-825-5033. 1-800-825-5033. Now, here's the trick. Let them ring until they're answered. 
If you have not been picked up, they'll cut you off. The phone company does that. We don't. Pick it up, redial, try again. Persistence is power, and eventually you will get through. So let us begin. The night is yours. Ghost to Ghost AM is on the air. And you will be the first caller. First-time callers, area 702-727-1222. We don't take last names on the air. Okay. So we, we didn't get started very well there because I had to bleep that out, so let us begin all over again. Just give us your first name only. Okay, this is Jeff. And where are you, Jeff? I'm in Santa Maria. Santa Maria, California. Hello, I'm glad to start off as your first caller. I'm pretty lucky. Um, probably the best guy to start off. Um, I work at a radio station. Oh. And it broadcasts. Most, your show. Mo, oh, and, oh, oh, you mean you work at one of my affiliates? Yeah, over at KSMA. In Santa Maria? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. Okay. Are you, uh, are you presently on duty? Oh, uh, no, I'm in my room. I um, see. All right. Um, my dad and my sister are listening. They both work there, too. And um, we have a ghost in our studios over at the... Over at KSMA? Yeah. Um, the, the way it goes is... A guy that used to work there. Yes. Sorry, I'm very nervous. Um, oh, just relax. No, I, I've never heard this. And uh, since you're one of my affiliates, gee, I'm surprised. Uh, maybe, had you thought maybe they don't want this out? Um, no, I asked my dad, really. And um, at first, my sister said that maybe um, he wanted us to know about this stuff. But he said it was okay. All right. And anyway, this guy... He was working on the inside, and he was doing a game, uh, a baseball game or something. Mm-hmm. And my sister, she works over on the AM, and she does um, she does games every once in a while, but I usually work on the FM side. Right. And she has had occurrences happening there. Um, I don't know how long ago it was, maybe five or six years ago, mm-hmm. this guy was working a game, and the guy on the FM side comes out, and he sees this guy lying on the floor. And right. he called up my dad and said... Is your dad the manager or program director or something? Uh, he's operations manager. I see. And he called him and he said, Jeff, his name, I think you better get over here. This guy is on the floor, and I think he's dead. Bad and news, so, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't like that myself. Um, my dad got over there, and by the time he was over there, paramedics were there working on him and everything. And so um, he eventually died, and they said it was of a heart attack. Yes. And this was in the middle of the game. Yes. Um, and so the guy that found him, he, one night, he goes through the hall. There's a long hall that stretches about 50 feet. He checks it for boxes and stuff, anything that might be in the way that you might trip on. Well, sure. And he turns out the lights, and he's going down there later, and he stumbles and falls. And he turns on the lights, there's nothing there. Uh, And it was right next to the AM room, I suppose. And anyway, later on... Let me guess, he stumbled over the body. Um, I don't know, but it was supposedly where he had found him. Uh huh. Where and the body had been found. Nothing was there when he turned on the lights. Well, uh, Jeff, uh, thank you for the story. 
Um, that's not unusual, and uh, it's a great way to set everything up. I am glad that you were here first. You see, this is the essence, I believe. And I've interviewed many, 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 many people on uh, Dreamland, this program, and others, experts in this area. And don't ask me, because, again, I'm just a talk host. But when people die suddenly, painfully, sometimes murdered, sometimes with drastically unfinished business, unrequited love, uh, whatever it might be, for some reason, the spirit seems to linger. And it, that's two radio station stories in a row. I don't know if I like that. Uh, but it's the truth. Now, at one point during um, a Jeff's call, you could hear a little <coughs> sound, a little hum. That's because I didn't even need to ask him. He was obviously on a portable telephone. All right. East of the Rockies, you are on the air. Good morning. Hi. How are you, Art? Fine. Um, can I go ahead and, you know, tell you, uh... Well, of course, where are you? I'm actually in Reno, listening on KOH. Well, actually, then you're on the wrong line. Oh, am I? This is east of the Rockies. Oh, I'm sorry. The number you want to call is 1-800-618-8255. Hold on, I don't even have a pen. Well, that's the number. Uh, right. So, thank you very much for the call, and I'll repeat it again. 1-800-618-8255, west of the Rockies. East of the Rockies, it's 1-800-825-5033. Again, East, you're on the air. Hi. Yes, sir. This is uh, Tony from Pueblo. Listen to you on KCSJ. Pueblo, Colorado. Fine. Yes, Welcome to the program. The um, story I have, it uh, actually happened uh, the summer of 1986, right before I went into the service. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm originally from North Carolina and... Uh, the I, part I can hear it in your voice. Yeah, just a little bit of an accent. Yeah. Uh, the part of the country I'm from is known very well for its uh, ghost stories and UFO sightings and things of that nature. Uh-huh. Uh, on this particular night, me and a couple of my high school buddies uh, decided we were going to go to uh, this place that was reputed to be a haunted house. Uh, hmm. We went up there and went inside and was messing around, you know, just goofing off doing typical high school guy things. Oh, uh, you need not describe them, I recall. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we went ahead, uh, got pretty bored with that, didn't see anything interesting, so we decided to leave. Well, the house was located out in the country, uh, I guess about six or seven miles from uh, the town I lived in. Mm-hmm. And we started back into town and... Uh, there's a long stretch of road called uh, Piper's Gap Road in that area. Okay. We started down the road, and it just got uh, real foggy. Uh, it's just like it just sat down, you know, and it's real humid back there. So I just I figured it was just one of them typical things. You know, it got a little bit cooler. Clouds came down. And it just lays down, yeah. And, and it just laid down on the road. Sure. Well, while we're going down through there... <clears throat> uh, got to going and talking about uh, people that pick up hitchhikers and the next thing you know they'll turn over be talking to them turn around and they won't be there in the car many stories like that so we're going down the road and we come up to uh, it's i wouldn't say a fork in the road i'd say an intersection where another road connected with the road we were on yes uh as we approach it 
uh, we can just make out a person standing right on the side of the road, right at where the road connects. A hitchhiker. And he's got his thumb out. Naturally. Well, we're talking to each other, and I said, you know, why don't we just stop and pick the guy up? And they're like, no, man, don't do it, you know, because we've just been talking about <laughs> picking up hitchhikers. <laughs> That's right. So I said, no, I said, we're going to go ahead and do it. And I was driving. So I pulled the car over. The guy sitting beside me in the passenger seat rolls down the window, leans out and asks the guy if he needs a ride. Well, he just automatically turned back to me, and, I mean, his face was just ashen. I mean, it just went pale. And I leaned down and looked out the passenger window, and he had already asked him if he had wanted a ride. I looked at the guy. The guy was as white as a sheet, and he was still looking down the road in the direction that we had came from. And he didn't move, didn't make any <laughs> any sign that he even knew we were there. And the next thing I'd done was hit the gas and got out of there as fast as I could. And that was, what, nine years ago, and it's still, to this day I think about it, and it kind of gives me the shivers. And what is it that you think you saw? Uh, uh, well, what was he? You know, I, I don't know, because... Uh, I'd never seen him before, and I come from a pretty small town, and, <laughs> you know, it was a, it, I guess it was a ghost. I mean, that's the only thing I can attribute it to was, it was a ghost. It was uh, a, uh, an apparition. <laughs> an apparition. I appreciate the call, sir. Thank yes, sir. you. Uh, there you are. An apparition. Many, uh, many stories presently circulating on the west coast of the country about hitchhikers getting into cars, talking about Gabriel's horns, about to blow, kind of like Vesuvius, huh? Or maybe in concert with, and uh, then suddenly disappearing. Many, many such stories. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Hi, how are you? I'm all right. Where are you? I'm in Detroit. Detroit, our first Detroit caller. Yeah, I'd like to welcome you to Detroit. Well, I, I thank you very much. Uh, we're very happy to be there. Oh. You will find this to be. A pretty weird show. Well... Uh, but it's an acquired taste. Given a little time, you'll learn to like it. Well, you've been recommended, and uh, you've, uh, the only thing I've heard about you is uh, that you're very cerebral. <laughs> well, I'll take judgment on that after you've listened for about a week. Okay. <laughs> and it, is it uh, 2 o'clock Eastern Time? No, I don't know if you're on tape uh, Well, or... no, it's uh, coming up on midnight, the actual beginning of Halloween where I am. So I'm on Pacific time, and I believe in Detroit, even though it doesn't seem like you guys ought to be, you're, you're on Eastern time, right? Oh, you got it. So it's coming up on 3 o'clock in the morning there. Yep. Yikes. Well, <laughs> I've, been, I, I've been known to stay up and uh, talk with our, our late-night hosts, and they've just been... Uh, you know, the, the 38 states, the great voice of the Great Lakes, but... Uh, That's what I've heard, The WJR covers 38 states. That's remarkable. Isn't it? Yeah, absolutely remarkable. And if, if I think about it, you know, it's a funny thing, sir. I've been on network now doing network uh, shows for several years, and yet every time a new station, a big one, joins, I still get nervous, like right now. Listen, I'm coming up on a break, and so what I would like to do, it's our nickel... We will hold you over and bring you back after the news, all right? Sounds good. Now, you're not going to hear anything. Don't let it bother you. We'll be right back. This is CBC. 
Art Bell, toll free. West of the Rockies at 1-800-618-8255. 1-800-618-8255. East of the Rockies at 1-800-825-5033. 1-800-825-5033. This is the CBC Radio Network. Welcome to Ghost to Ghost AM. <laughs> Thought I'd add a little spirit to the night. Good to be with you, everybody. I'm Art Bell, and we'll be here all night long. Nothing but ghost stories. The ground rules are simple. Uh, you, uh, you tell the story. We'll listen. But it's got to be a real one. Heaven knows. Is it heaven? There are plenty of them out there. And uh, going back now to a caller, my first caller, I might add, on WJR in Detroit. And uh, I just, uh, you know, you said uh, your radio station, sir, covers 38 states. I just got a fax from somebody. said WJR 760 from Detroit is coming in here, uh, gangbusters, and he sends the fax from Birmingham, Alabama. Alabama. His name is Ron. So there you are, all the way down in Alabama. You can get it in Detroit, Alabama. <laughs> Listen, um, Detroit, as we all know, is the center of some pretty strange activity upon Halloween. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of volunteers out in your streets uh, tonight trying to think, uh, keep things quiet. I assume so far they are quiet. Well, they haven't been too bad. I, I just had to go outside. Just uh, My wife uh, said she heard somebody parking out front. Great. And... Uh, it's like we we had a car stolen out front two days ago, so uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's not the best neighborhood. But then again, it's not the worst. Mm. Uh, well, I've got a way to keep people inside. Did you hear last hour the Bigfoot sound I played? Oh yeah, you did, huh? It All right, my dog. Uh huh. Well, I've got something else I want. If there's anything that'll keep the people in Detroit inside, try and imagine this outside. Listen carefully now. How'd you like to meet something like that out in the middle of the street in the middle of the night? Well, you know, I think I, I just heard that a few minutes ago. My wife's eight and three-quarter months pregnant. Oh, <laughs> well, I, I hope she stays that way. Yeah. Matter of fact, we were almost going to have the, the baby uh, today, being, being Halloween, but uh, we're going to have it uh, tomorrow. Well, I, I hope I didn't bring anything premature, so. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, do you, uh, have you ever seen anything you could not explain? Uh, well, yeah, I had a, uh, well, probably about 20 years ago, uh, me and my brother and sister uh, got together and we decided we were going to get out the old Ouija board and uh, have a seance. Yes. And, uh, of course, you, you know, the first person you, you, you call up from the dead is George Washington, and, and nothing seemed to happen, and all the lights were out in the house. And then uh, my brother decided that he was going to call Satan. And, uh, oh, really poor idea. Yeah. And uh, next thing you know, we, we heard a, a gust of wind, and the front door, we had a, a vestibule at the front of the house, mm-hmm. and uh, just a, a flimsy door, and that swung shut. 
So it would have taken a, taken an act of somebody pulling it or or suction, you know, a, a really strong breeze or something sure. to shut the door. Sure. And uh, we we got, we got startled and uh, we ran over there and didn't see anything. And uh, we flicked on the light and the light didn't work. Mm-hmm. So we went to get a, a light bulb. We put it in and we had like a two by four uh, carpet in the vestibule and the uh the impression left on the carpet was uh the the trident the 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 devil's spear was, <laughs> you know the pitchfork yes oh yes i know and it's that nobody would have had the opportunity to do it and they would have had to do it in the dark i'll tell you something um and i'll tell everybody else a brief story which i sort of said i was never going to tell again uh, but that's a good one, sir. Thank you. And thank you. And uh, we shall always remember you, by the way, as caller number one from Detroit. What is your first name again? My name is KC. KC. KC from Detroit. Brother, thank you. Well, that's good listening to you, Art. And I'm sure you're going to get a lot more listeners from Detroit. All right. Thank you. Um, yeah, good to be on the air there. Well, when I worked in Las Vegas, and for a number of years I did the program in Las Vegas, uh, from the Union Plaza Hotel, it was called at that time. And one night when I was doing a show, this very night, as a matter of fact, a lady uh, called up and claimed to be a witch. She gave me some very, very disconcerting information, personal knowledge, which I actually bleeped off the air. It was so personal, I couldn't believe that she could possibly, possibly, know these things about me. And um, toward the end of the call, she said she was going to come and leave something for me. Well, she left me a Ouija board, an ancient, ancient, ancient Ouija board. I have never, nor will I to this day, tell you what what has happened to that Ouija board. But when you call upon spirits, when you call upon the dark side, and you do it with something, an instrument, it does not matter, you'd better be damn careful what you're doing. Ouija boards are an opening. They're an opening into a world where there are things that you may not really wish to meet. So my advice to you, without telling you the detailed story of this board, which is frightening, My advice to you is do not play with Ouija boards. It's like opening a door, and you just don't know what's going to walk through. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Art. Yes. Hello. How you doing? Okay. You're going to have to get into that phone and yell at us. Um, All right. How's this? I'm much better. All right. Thanks. Where are you? I'm in Spokane. Spokane, Washington. Mighty KTA. You bet. Uh, I have a story for you. All right, go ahead. It's a doozy. Um, about a year ago, I was staying at a friend's house up in Newport. Mm-hmm. And um, we were sitting down in the basement, right? Yes. And we were sitting there smoking cigarettes and talking back and forth. Doing guy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I was sitting there, and I was watching my smoke from my cigarette go up, and all of a sudden, I seen a face kind of appear into it, you know, the smoke going up into the air. Mm-hmm. And I asked my friend, you know, do you see it? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and it's 
smiled, kind of, and then... It smiled? Yeah, it just smiled. And now, I could understand uh, people blow smoke rings. Yeah. I could even understand blowing a face, but I can't understand it smiling. Yeah, it, it just kind of formed into a face. It was uh -huh. the strangest thing I've ever... It, I still get shivers now. And it smiled at you? Yes. Well, it's better than a frown. Yeah. And uh, what happened to it then? Did it... It, it just kind of dissipated, dissipated really slowly. God, that's weird. He's told me about stories about seeing things in his house before, too. So. Well, I'll tell you then a little story. I have a photograph. Thank you very much for the call. I have a photograph of a ghost, a real ghost. Um, it might be a wonderful night for some of you to get this photograph. If you have a computer and a modem, we've got a bulletin board service, and you can go in and get a photograph of this Ghost. Actually, there are several ghost photographs. Oh, by the way, my guest this last Sunday on Dreamland sent me a photograph of a tornadic ghost. I don't know if that's a word. But it, it is obviously some sort of plasma material uh, at the top of a staircase in the shape of a tornado. Now, down toward the bottom of the tornado, it's translucent. In other words, you can begin to look through it and see the stairs. It's the damnedest thing you've ever seen. I'm going to get that one up on the bulletin board for you as soon as they send it to me to scan. I've got a scan of it right now, but I want to be able to scan it myself at a higher resolution rate. If you want to see a ghost, there is a man in Arizona who uh, was a stone mason. He built stone, you know, he did basements. And he did a wine cellar for a fellow in about a hundred-year-old house. He uh, was very proud of the work that he did. And when he was done, he took a photograph of his stone masonry work. It was beautiful. Only thing is, when the picture came out, quite clearly a translucent being appeared in the photograph. And it was captured very, very well on film. And we have published this photograph in our newsletter. And I might add, I've got it on our bulletin board. So if you want to download the picture of the ghost, you can call area code 702-727-1709, 24 hours a day. Let me give that number to you again. 702 727 709. And um, if you're able to download with Zmodem protocol, you can download a photograph of this ghost. You take a look. There's a face, there's a body, there's arms, there's legs. It's a ghost. It's clear. It's in color. There is no mistake about it. There's some sort of spirit, some sort of entity in that photograph, and you're welcome to download it and take a look for yourself. We do a lot of that. We try to make some of this material available to you, so it does not all have to be the theater of the mind. That's what radio is. I want you to be able to see what I see so that you can see that I'm not totally crazy. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Art. This is Aaron calling from Los Banos, California. Hi. Hi. I have a really good ghost story I wanted to tell you. Let her go. Okay. This story happened in 1951. It was given to me by my father, and it happened to his cousin named Norbert. 
and um, he was at a movie theater and um, in Morgan Hill, California, and he was leaving, going towards San Jose, and there's a stretch of road they call Monterey Highway that they called uh, the Blood Alley. And um, one night after the uh, movie was done, he was heading home to San Jose, heading north. Sure. And uh, he was going about 45 miles an hour in his uh, old car. I know the road, by the way. Yeah. And there's a little highway. And, and, um, and while he was going up there, he saw this, you know, beautiful young-looking lady on the side of the road and walking really slowly. And he kind of slowed down, and he was looking over at her. And, and um, she had a beautiful white dress on, and, and she was looking down. And um, he slowly passed her, and he looked in his rearview mirror, and, and he saw her, and, and, and uh, he slowed down a little bit more and was going, you know, 15, 10 miles an hour. And, and for some reason, he, he got a really nervous feeling inside, and, and he, slowly, he slowly sped up because he was scared. He didn't know, you know exactly what it was. And, uh, you know, what the, if, if it was something different, he got a different feeling inside. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, he said it, he... He sped up a little bit, and he was going about 35, 40 miles an hour. And he happened to look back again, and uh, it didn't go any further away. It wasn't leaving. And that, that really started... You mean to... the lady in the white dress was as close to him? Yes, as, uh-huh. as it was the first time he saw her. Uh-huh. And he really started getting nervous. And, um, well, he, he put his foot on the pedal and got up to about 50, 55 miles an hour. Sure. And he looked in the mirror, and it wasn't any... As a matter of fact, it was getting closer to him. Now, <laughs> this is, it was getting closer to his car. Really? On the passenger side. There are many, sir, that have died on that road. Yes, very. It was, it was a lot of fatal accidents uh, back in the 50s that, and, and earlier on and later on also. And, um, and as he got up to speed, he started really stepping on. He was frightened now. By this time, he was really frightened. He was going, you know, tipping the car out to, I guess, 70, 75 miles an hour is what he said. That would uh, be my reaction. Yeah, yeah, he was really moving now. I'm the let's get out of here kind of person. Yes, yes. And he looked in the mirror this time, and um, he, he looked in the, as a matter of fact, he didn't look in the mirror. He looked over to his right side where his little side mirror was, you know, mm-hmm. to get a better picture. And, uh, you know, the worst thing possibly happened that he thought happened and uh, there was a white dress floating next to the car. Mm. And when he looked at the window, he said he saw a face of a skeleton with white straw hair looking at him with its mouth opened. And he was so frightened that he could not believe it. He slammed his brakes on in the middle of the road. It was late at night. In the middle of the road, slammed his brakes on, uh, you know, closed his eyes as tight as he could, said a prayer. And uh, when he looked back, it was gone. He turned around and uh, went back to his, to his uh, mother's house, which was about so 20 miles the other way, and, and didn't go look back at all. And, and uh, he went home, and he told the story and uh, told it to the whole family. And he, he uh, well, as far as, as far as I know, he never went down that road again as, if, if he could. These things change your life forever. It's, yes. You know, it's, thank you very much for the call. It's one thing to tell them. It's another to really experience them. When you do, it changes your life forever and ever. Because it does not matter what anybody else believes or chuckles about or laughs about. If you experience something like that, you're never, ever going to be the same. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning. This is Dennis from Vancouver. Um, Washington? Yes. 
All right. Um, let's see. I've got a ghost story. Um, I well, sort of a ghost story. Almost sort of. a ghost. Almost, almost a ghost story. A ghost story? Look, that's um, like being almost pregnant. Either, either you're a spirit or you're a physical entity. It's one or the other. Well, uh, let me. I'll explain it and All I'll right. go from there. All right. Then um, maybe I can tell you. Um, I was uh, up at Yosemite, uh, you know, National Park in California. Yes. Um, and doing a Ouija board. Uh, and here we go. yeah, uh, uh huh. Um, there were, I guess, about ten or twelve people in the room. Uh, there was only two of us on the board. The other people were, you know, standing around watching, mm. uh, contributing their energy. Mm. Um, and we got uh, something that. Uh, came across as being, you know, negative. I don't necessarily want to say evil, but definitely negative-oriented. Do you want to tell us what it was? Um, well, it wouldn't give us a name, but the impression that I have was that it was something higher up than just an ordinary demon. Um, it was very strong, um, very intelligent, now, was this manifesting itself simply through moving on the Ouija board and spelling things out, or was it... Um, that's the way it started. Um, okay. We were, you know, asking questions of it. You know, at first we didn't know that it was evil, but, you know, having done the Ouija board for several years um, prior to that, you know, I've, we've learned to ask appropriate questions to determine whether it's a positive or a negative entity. Hmm. And after having determined that it was a negative entity, we were going to stop, but the rest of the people in the room wanted to continue because they were fascinated. Um, so we went ahead and continued with it, which, of course, was our mistake. But <laughs> um, After a while, it told us to turn the lights off. Oh, so, it did. And, and you yeah. listened, right? Yeah, we turned the uh -huh. lights off. We turned the candle on. All right, I'll tell you, lit a candle. Lit a candle. I'll tell you what. I'm coming up on a break. I want you to hold this story for the break, all right? Okay. All right, stay right where you are. We will shortly be back. You're listening to an annual event called Ghost to Ghost AM. I'm Art Bell. Put your seatbelts on, everybody. It's going to be a rough ride. on the wild card line at 702-727-1295. That's 702-727-1295. First-time callers can reach Art Bell at 702-727-1222. 702-727-1222. Now, here again, Art Bell. Top of the morning, everybody. Good to be here. It's Ghost Stories and Ghost to Ghost all night long. Tell you what, let me take care of business here at the beginning. Then we'll jump back into it. How's that? Clear sailing right on up, or would that be room riding to the top of the hour? 
I realized it had to go on tonight. Good morning. This is Ghost to Ghost AM. Back now to our story, and I'm sorry we interrupted you, sir. You're back on the air again. Oh, no problem. Um, uh, let's see, where was I? Um, the, uh, it asked us to turn the lights off, um, so we lit a candle, and uh, we did turn the lights off. Um, Bad move. Yeah, well, we we found that out um, the hard way. Um, we continued, you know, speaking with it for about a minute or so. Um, it, it. Yeah, it. Um, unbeknownst to us, um, back behind the group, uh, towards the corner of a room, um, a light started to form uh, just uh, in the middle of the air. Um, it started off real small, but it was real bright. It was actually lighting up the room. Right. Um, the room got real cold, real fast. Um, there was no bad smell or anything, but it, it was quite cold all of a sudden. That would be, um, be enough for me. Now, what I want to know, first of all, before you continue is, I'd be out of there. I mean, in a flash, I'd be out of there. Light begins to form where there ought not be light. The room gets cold. That would be all I'd need. Um, well, um, since, um, my friend and I, um, had been doing it for, you know, on a semi-regular basis for a couple of years, you know, mm. we were fairly, uh, fluent, at least up to that point. We hadn't, you know, gotten anything that strong, uh, before, but, uh, you know, we pretty much knew how to, you know, deal with it once it got to that point. Mm. Um, you know, my friend started getting sick to his stomach, I started you know, getting a little bit of a headache. Um, so we we stopped, you know, uh, with the board itself and yes. basically moved back away, relaxed ourselves, uh, started saying some prayers, started, uh, um, at least I started imagining uh, a golden uh, light around myself, um, you know, which is what I consider a protective uh, light. And you know, went from there, and we just left the board alone, and the light did uh, fade. We turned on the, the room lights itself, and, you know, the light just, you know, fade, faded out. And well, that's good. Uh, there are a lot of people who would say to you, you should have been praying in the first time, uh, place, not messing around with the Ouija board. Well, um... Because you know what can happen, sir? Oh, yeah. Um, I you know can, that... You can bring something like that into yeah. this world or across from wherever it comes from, and uh, you can put your Ouija board away, and it won't matter, because it's in. Right. Right, yeah. Once it's done its full transformation crossover, 
Yeah, um, but we managed to stop it in time. So how? Um, what would you advise people out there about Ouija boards? Um, well, first of all, there there are several good books out there. If you're really determined to use one, um, read the books on it first. Um, the best thing to do is to you know. One of the one of the most common questions, if you get a negative oriented spirit, one of the most common questions that it will ask is, "Can I come in?" And <laughs> never think that it's referring to coming into the room or into your home or whatever. When it's asking that question, it's wanting to come into you, uh, oh. and you always say no. And if you get a question like that, I would suggest that you stop and don't mess with it anymore. Okie dokie. Thank you uh, very much for the call. There are many out there who uh, probably ought not mess around with this kind of thing at all. It's very serious. It's not a joke. A Ouija board is simply an instrument, uh, in my opinion. Now, it may be a particularly powerful instrument, but you can invite these sorts of forces in with or without a Ouija board. And my advice to you is... Don't do it. Like an unwelcome uh, in-law coming to visit, it might not leave. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Top of the morning to you. Hello, Art. This is Jeff. I'm uh, calling from Denver. Denver, yes, sir. K-How, I imagine. Yes, and uh, I have a true fact uh, story that I can relate to you about spirits, ghosts, or whatever you want to call them. Let her rip. Um, I was living in an apartment complex, and uh, a guy came over to me. I met him just inadvertently, and uh, I was working in the legal field, and he asked me to check out whether or not his wife had been married before, and uh -huh. I did that, and I gave him information, and he came over to my apartment. Had, had she been? I just want to know. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was big me. Um, oh, oh my. He was married to her for 10 years, and she never got a divorce. <laughs> so he came over to my house. He was crying. Um, sure. I took him over to his apartment, tried to calm him down, and he went into a rage. He started tearing telephones out of the wall, breaking lamps, tables, etc. And then... He came at me like he was going to attack me. He got right up close to me, and he fell down, and he started to convulse. And I thought, well, this guy has epilepsy or something. Sure. And then he jumped up again and did the same thing again and went down like someone hit him in the head with a ball bat. And um, wow. it was frightening. The hair on my head went up. His eyes were rolling back. He was foaming at the mouth. You're saying and it was like he, he was in combat with, a, with some force. I don't know what was going on, but what I can say that really frightened me was he was speaking out of his own mouth and cursing me and doing all this, but there were multiple voices coming out. Sometimes there were one. Sometimes it sounded like two or three or five or six. Mm. And then... He, he stopped breathing, and the guy was foaming at the mouth and that. Oh I, I went down, I checked his pulse and all that. I had to give him CPR, get him breathing again, and I had to run over. He pulled the phone out of the wall. I had to run over to the neighbors and ask them to call the cops, and, and 
then the uh, cops, the fire department, the uh, EMTs, all of them came over. They took him off to ER, and I thought, well, you know, when he was talking to me, it just, it was, it was horrible. It was something I can't even explain. What would there you was, say? Would you think he was possessed, or was he being beaten by some outside force? Well, all I can say is there, there were voices coming out of his body when his eyes were rolled back, and he was foaming at the mouth, mouth. he was writhing on the floor, and there, sometimes it sounded like one person talking, sometimes it sounded like five, four, oh, you know, God. whatever, talking. And so I gave him the CPR, they took him off, and then that was about 11 o'clock at night. And then about 4 in the morning, they let him out of VR, and he came back to my apartment. And I said, get out of here. I don't want to talk to you. I'm sure. Get, leave, go, now. And then about five months after that, I met him in a parking lot of a shopping center. And I said, you know, do you realize what's going on? Do you do you understand? And And he said, yeah, do you? Can you imagine what those cops did to my apartment? I said, the, the cops didn't do anything. You did that. And I, I talked with him for a while. And then he, he told me that he was an immigrant from France. He was in an orphanage in France. And uh, as far as these convulsions and stuff, I asked him if he was epileptic or, or all that. And he said no. And I was talking with him, and then he said... Uh, you know, I was in an orphanage in France, and two priests told me I was possessed. And I said, oh, gee whiz, and that was the end of it. I, I didn't talk to him after that. That's enough. All right, my friend, thank you. Uh, that's quite enough. Well, what to say about that? Uh, we were talking about inviting entities in a few moments ago. Maybe uh, on occasion they invite themselves in. Maybe on occasion, they take the minds of those who can be taken. Had you thought of that? Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning, our WBC, Duluth Superior. Uh, uh, in Wisconsin. Uh, actually, I'm in Duluth. But Duluth, Minnesota. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. Yeah, your Detroit station is coming through pretty good, too. All right. Say, so, are you going to tell us what happened to your uh, Ouija board? Absolutely not. Can't talk you into it, huh? No, that's one story I really won't tell. It scares me, and uh, I, I don't like telling it. Not not even on this day. It scares the hell out of me. That's one thing that really did scare me. And uh, that's so I so I warn people about Ouija boards. How about you? Do you have a story? Yeah, I got a quick one for you. All right. Uh, back in the fifties, my mom was seeing a, uh, a gentleman in her school. She was a junior in high school. They were, I guess, they were really. Um, in love with each other, this, that, and the other thing. And one night, she was uh, sleeping, and she just kind of stirred in bed, and she woke up and saw him standing in the room, her bedroom. She, what are you doing here? And he just kind of faded away. No. And the next day, she found out he was killed in a car accident. So. Oh, there's a lot of stories like that. There's a lot of stories. Thank you very much. Now, you see... I, I believe uh, we had Brad Steiger on a couple of weeks ago, and uh, actually we've been kind of doing the warm-up to Halloween for some time now. But there are many, many stories like that. It seems when many die, 
the energy that is us, the energy that may be our soul, our essence, whatever it is you want to call it, you give your own name to it, has something that it must say to somebody that it has left behind. It must say it. And somehow that energy, either still here on Earth or from elsewhere, finds its way back long enough to assure the person that it loves or to pass a message that must be passed, information that a loved one must have, and somehow the energy makes it back. Don't ask me. I just do talk shows. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Thank you. Where are you? Pardon? Where are you? At Corpus Christi, Texas. All right. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, yes, I have a... a Several ghost stories, but I, I know I don't have that much time. No, give us your best. Oh, the best. Okay. Um, one time, my husband and I had a disagreement, and uh, he had been, you know, just frolicking and carrying on, and I'd about had it. And uh, I was very upset, and my mom told me, well, uh, you need to cool down. And so she said, let's go to this thrift store that happened to be in a, a hospital, and uh, we were walking down the corridor. Why is it that when women get upset, they go shopping? <laughs> it's true, isn't it? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, it is. Uh, but anyway, my mom and I were walking down the corridor, and uh, in the hospital you hear the, the uh, there's like speakers, and there's like, uh, you know, Dr. Dr. Jones. Dr. Jones four. wanted an ER, and you really don't pay attention to these things. That's right. And anyway, uh, I was upset, and she just calmed down. I said, no, this is it. I am upset. And nothing you can say, Mother, is going to change my mind. She says, well, I really think you need to cool down. I said, well, nope, that's it. At that point, um, we heard a voice walk by, and it asked, it just asked in a real deep voice, uh, where is, where, where did you leave Ben? And I didn't, we didn't pay any attention to it until we walked about, uh, two feet, and then my mom and I looked at each other, and we turned around together, and we saw a tall, uh, almost Frankenstein stature man and a short man, and they both had on those white gowns, and their skin was gray tone, mm. and we both looked at it, and then and then I kept looking at it, and then the tall guy turned around in, in like a, a Frankenstein stance. And looks directly into my eyes. And he lifts his head up just a bit, like telling me, you know, I'm going to get you. Because you're vulnerable. Because you can be mine. And then he just turns around and he walks off with the other short guy. And we both looked at them and their skin tone was like, it was gray as if they were, uh, had been dead for years. And then I look at my mom, and she looks at me, and she says, make the sign of the cross. You know, we, I both made, we both made the sign of the cross. And she says, look, when you're this upset with somebody, the evil spirits know that you're vulnerable. And at this point, she says, you need to cool down because this is how bad things happen. Well, I'll bet you if her first speech didn't work, this one did. Yeah, it it. it well, I still haven't forgiven him, but uh, <laughs> uh, but but uh, you uh, did calm down. Oh yeah, I did calm down. 
And, and, and there are, I just want to tell everybody that there are bad spirits out there. Yes. And that when you're being negative and, and you're vulnerable and you don't have the fear of Christ or something that's more powerful than them, then they can get you. But if you have, uh, if you can say a prayer right now and then, uh, it's a matter of weakness. It's a matter of weak, like you were saying. It's a matter of weakness, and they'll, they'll come right on in, and this is how bad things happen. It's a, it's such a good point. Thank you. Uh, even if I were to relate it to what I do, and on this program, we talk about a million things. This is like any other, uh, not like any other program you've ever heard. We delve into areas that are There really is no explanation for it. I can't put it into words. You're just going to have to listen to the program, not just this one, but the one we do on a regular basis, and you'll begin to get the idea. We don't bore in. We're not like other talk shows. We don't bore in only on politics or anything else. We do whatever comes up on any given night. And occasionally... We'll be in the political arena or we'll be talking about something very terrestrial. And somebody will push my button. Now, in latter years, I've tried to let it happen less and less. But my button can be pushed. And there have been over the years a few times, mind you, a few times when I have virtually lost it. I mean, I have become red-faced, heart-pounding, totally out of it, angry. And uh, just totally blew up on the air. It does not happen very frequently, but it has occurred. Now, let me tell you, when that does occur, folks, as this lady just said, in my opinion, these are very, very vulnerable moments. And it's possible that if there is something close, something waiting for you, you are vulnerable. And it could take you in an instant. You don't believe it? That's fine. Just heed my warning. You're listening to Ghost to Ghost AM. From the great American Southwest and the high desert, I'm Art Bell. We'll be right back. Toll-free, west of the Rockies at 1-800-618-8255, 1-800-618-8255, east of the Rockies at 1-800-825-5033, 1-800-825-5033. This is the CBC Radio Network. From the great American Southwest, I bid you good morning. This is Ghost to Ghost AM. A lot of new radio stations joining us this morning. WJR Detroit, WHAM Rochester, New York. Both of them monsters covering uh, large segments of the entire country. Also WFMD Frederick, Maryland, touching parts of Baltimore and Washington, D.C. 
As well, WTAD, Quincy, Illinois. Welcome to all of you. Welcome to, uh, well, I don't know. There never is a norm on this show, but if there is, this is not it. We're telling ghost stories. Tonight, maybe tomorrow night. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. We've had some buttes already. If you're just joining us, sorry, you've missed some buttes. We'll get back to it all in just a moment. This is from a retired Navy fellow. Art, you had a show about airplane ghosts. Well, here's one about ship ghosts. I am retired. U.S. Coast Guard. I served on the icebreaker glacier with a ghost. I saw him only one time. I was asleep in my stateroom when I heard a knock at the door. The door opened, and a sailor, that's in quotes, leaned in and said, Mr. Blank, you're needed in B-1 engineering room. One of the mains is making bad noises, and the watch needs you. Got to the engine room fast as I could. The door opened as I got there, and one of the sailors said, I was just coming to get you. I told him I came as soon as I was called. His reply was, huh? This just happened, and I was just coming to get you. Another time, I saw the hatch to the emergency diesel generator room close and the lock wheel spin and lock. On entering the compartment, there was no one there. It's a small area with no place for anyone human to hide. The third time the ghost made himself known was to a woman who worked for the district office. She was updating blueprints while we were moored in Long Beach. Suddenly, it burst into the mess hall, so scared she was shaking. She told us she had seen a translucent, transparent sailor walk out of a bulkhead of the passageway, glare at her, continue on down the hall. She never came back on that ship. Jim, U.S. Coast Guard, retired. Shelton, Washington. Thank you, Jim. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Welcome. Hi, Art. This is Jamie calling from Houston, Texas. How you doing, Jamie? I'm just fine. I'm a first-time caller, and I want to say that I've personally never seen a ghost, but the story I wanted to tell you has been in the family over 90 years, so I thought I might tell you. It's coming from three generations. You might tell me. Yeah. All right. Well, my grandmother used to tell me, but her grandmother told her when she was a girl, her uncle, her mother's brother, his wife died after they had had a new baby, and he had a little girl that was six years old, right. and then they had a new baby. Well, when he would get the little girl and the baby bedded down at night, you know, there were no electric lights. It was just old shacks in South Carolina. He would uh, go out late at night, you know, for a couple of hours, you know, but he would leave a fire burning in the fireplace. Sure. Well, one night he went out, and he didn't come back. He stayed out a little late, and uh, the baby started to cry, and the little girl, being six years old, she was afraid because the fire was burning out. She was afraid to get up. So after a while, the baby cried and cried. After a while, she heard this thump, and then something came down the fireplace. So the girl said it looked like a big bird, and the bird stood right in front of the fireplace, and it started fanning its wings. And the fire just rose up, and she could hear a voice saying, get up and give Mama's baby some water. She couldn't see the face of the bird. She could only see the back, but she knew that was her mother's voice. So she walked around the bird and got the baby some water. When the baby was back down, 
the bird went back up into the fireplace just like it came, and the fire burnt real high all night long. And the little girl was telling her father about this big bird that came down the fireplace and told her to get up and give Mama's baby some water. So when he told his mother, which is my grandmother's grandmother, my grandmother's 85 now, she told him never leave the children alone anymore. Mm. But um, it was just amazing how something good, I guess we could call it a ghost or whatever, but the mother just wanted her to get a baby some water, you know, little girl like that. Well, I suspect in the spirit world there is good and there is evil. Sure. And um, I just thought I wanted to share that with you because that's not evil. It was a good thing. I appreciate and, it. And my grandmother's handed it down, and I suppose when my son gets old and has grandchildren, I'll hand it down to him. But thank you, Art, for having me. Thank, and I'm listening you. to you. All right, I'm glad. Thank you. That's KTRH Houston. Now, I agree with that, lady. There's good and there's evil. How many of you saw a movie called The Stand? Her bird story reminded me of this. In The Stand, uh, The Stand was a wonderful movie. The first hour of it is possibly some of the best I've ever seen. It kind of kind of deteriorated, in my view, uh, after that, the television version. But in The Stand, you may recall the large, black, evil bird. Well, I broadcast, uh, for those of you who are just joining us, from my home. Here in the middle of the desert, in the middle of nowhere, in a little town called Pahrump, Nevada. Laugh, if you will. At any rate, um, our town is famous for many things, but one of them is big black birds. And the movie they used, uh, the, the bird they used for the movie, The Stand, came from right here in Pahrump. And those birds are all around me. So these are some of the biggest, but these birds are big enough to carry cats off. You don't mess with the birds out here. I don't know why they're so common to this area, but they're here. Big, big birds. Birds so big that if you can get near them and they begin to take off, their wingspan uh, well, as they begin to beat their wings to get their big bodies in the air, you can feel the draft. They are that big. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art. How are you? Okay. Where are you? I'm in Reno right now. Reno, K-O-H. That's right. Um, this story happened to me, um, I would say it was 91, 92. I don't remember the exact date. I was living in Guam. Guam? And uh, I was at a friend's house. And he was on his way out of the door. I'd just shown up, and he's like, well, hey, look, I'm going to a rosary, which is really common out there. It's very, very Catholic, and uh, it's, sure. it's, it's kind of like the uh, remembrance of the of their loved ones that have passed away. Sure. He's like, look, I'm on the way to this rosary. How about this? Come with me. We'll keep That way it'll keep it real short. We'll just stop in. We'll, you know, say hello, blah, 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 whatever, pay our respects, and then we'll take off. Right. <sighs> well... We get there. Everything's kind of fine. You know, everybody's kind of uh, just mellow, and it's mostly just the immediately the immediate family of this uh, guy that had passed away. Yes. And it was a guy that he went to school, my friend had went to school with. Mm. And uh, so we're standing there, and the, uh, the guy that died's little sister came in. She was about maybe four or five years old, crying. She comes running from down the hall, and I don't remember the guy, the dead guy's name, but I'll just say David. Uh, 
she was crying, and her mother's like, what's the matter, hon? And she's like, well, David's here. And she was like, I don't want to hear that. Just kind of calm down. She's like, Mommy, David's here. He's here. And uh, the grandmother said, look, just, you know, your mother doesn't need this right now. Sure. And so everything was fine for about 15 minutes. Next thing you know, she's standing there. She says, look, there he is. And uh, we all just kind of stopped, and we're all looking down the hall, and there's nothing. And she's like, can't you see him? We're like, no, and the grandmother by this time is getting a little irate, and the mother's pretty much crying uh, pretty uh, profusely, I guess, and it, it wasn't a really good scene at this time. I've got you. So everything kind of chilled out a while, and uh, I'd say about five minutes passed. She walks down the hall, comes back, and she's just saying, look, David wants us in his room now. And, you know, just to kind of humor her, I guess, the grandmother told my friend to go in the room with her. Sure. And also, her older brother, the uh, one like uh, that was older than the one that had died. So I just followed just, you know, because, I don't know, it's kind of like one of those little horror movies, I guess. You want to know what's going on. So I followed him into the room, and she's like pointing to these, uh, these uh, I guess they're cupboards or whatever, but they're kind of like um, sliding doors above the bed. And they're about up six feet up in the air. And she's like, he wants us to open those. So my friend goes over to open it, and he can't make it budge. He cannot make this little door to this cupboard slide over. So he asked me to help him, and I get up there, and I'm not a little guy. I'm about 200 pounds and about six foot. Right. And I was budging and just pulling and pushing, and we tried everything to get this open. There's two of us, and we couldn't do it. And, you know, I'm starting to get a little, not really upset, but just aggravated. Sure. And she's, you know, starting to cry again, saying, do it, do it, do it. And so the mother walks in, and she's like, you know, calm down, calm down. <sighs> well... She said, and then the little girl said, no, he wants me to open it. So my friend picked her up, and she slid it open <laughs> with not not even a budge. It was just like she could have used her pinky. Yeah. And in there were a bunch of personal artifacts and pictures, and the first thing that, she, that they pulled out was a letter that he had written to his little sister in case something had ever happened to him. Oh, my God. And it was the scariest thing. I mean, it, I, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I, 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 listen, thank you very much for the story. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. That, though, is typical. And there are two things I would take from that. One, again, a person who has died coming back to give a message that must be given, something that must be released from that spirit before it is released. But the other aspect of that story that I find intriguing is that I believe that children, little children, have more of an ability to see, experience, or touch the other side than we do. Now, I wouldn't pretend to be able to tell you why, and there are adult sensitives, certainly, who have uh, either maintained or nurtured that ability to see or reach or talk to the other side. But children in their innocence, I think, have something that the rest of us begin to lose as we get older. Because of the noise of society, 
the noise level, the signal-to-noise level, if you will, it was a deep thing that is either in all of us or was once in all of us or is still in all of us that fades. But, you know, in children, it has not yet faded. So children have a unique kind of uh, sensory ability the rest of us do not have. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. How you doing, Art? Okay, where are you? I'm in Canton, Michigan, which is just west of Detroit. Excellent. WJR, I bet. You betcha. All right. Um, I just want to tell you about a really scary ghost story that involves my brother. Um, this is back in 1983, uh, October 7th. Yes, sir. And um, You remember the date that well, huh? Well, I sure do, because... Uh, I was on the road. I was playing with a band in Saginaw, Michigan. Ah, yes. I was playing at the Fordney Hotel. And uh, I finished the job about 2.30 in the morning, and I went up, and I had a couple of beers, and I laid down, and all of a sudden, you know, I woke up, and I was at the top of the stairs. We were staying on the second floor of the hotel. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I felt a arm around me, and it was like, I heard a, hey, brother, go back to your room. you got to go to sleep. Hmm. Well, all of a sudden, the next night, I got a call from my mother that my my brother had committed suicide, and he had died two days earlier on the 6th. Oh, boy. Um, any other visits, or was that it? No, he uh, he visited me for about the next week and a half. He did? Yes. And talked with you? Um, it was like I could feel a, a cold stare over me. A presence. Yes. Not unusual. Again, really typical. It was very strange. People pass, and yet, for some reason, they don't quite pass. They're not quite ready. And I guess that was the case with your brother. Now, I'm curious. Were you comforted by that or frightened by it? I was comforted very much. Did it change you? Yeah, I think it did. Um, I mean, does it tell you there is an afterlife? Yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I sure do appreciate your story and your call. Thank, okay. thank you. I, you know, that is what it's all about, the search. Now, how are we to know there really is another side? Well, he knows. Other people who have experienced things like that, they know. And I may know something, but I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I'll let you do the talking. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Well, how, how art thou, Grandmaster of all Nye County? Um, I, well, thou art fine if you would turn your radio off. Okay, I sure did. Sorry about that, Art. Sorry. Where yeah. are you? I'm calling from Fresno, California, and I'm on KMJ 580. That's the one. You got it. Uh, I, I like, uh, I want to say one thing. I really enjoy your show, and I enjoy Dreamland immensely. Thank you. It is a different kind of program. Well, it? it certainly is. Every, I think I have uh, nightmares every uh, about every Sunday night. Well, anyway, if I may relate a uh, story to your uh, audience, I don't know if it's necessarily a ghost story, but I always thought it was spooky and I, re- I always think of it from time to time, and I tell people. Well, one Saturday morning, I, I it was back in 1988, 
it was two weeks before I was going to go out of town. That's how I remember. I started to wake up on a Saturday morning. All of a sudden, this blue light shined. It was like a blue light shine inside of my head. Inside, wait a minute, wait a minute. Inside of your head? Yeah, it's like a TV, all of a sudden, a large, like a TV or an image flickers inside of my head. Okay. And then from here, get a load of this. I saw was like these people, like in a large or a fairly good-sized underground cavern or hallway or room. Really? And it was just swathed or bathed in blue light. There was four of them. They were tall. They had, like, jeweled masks on and robes, and I had the feeling that the ones in the black were women, and their hair was, like, kind of longish and black, and then the men had gray robes, and their skin was, like, white, 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 like Mickey Mouse, and it lasted for about 30 seconds. And then from time to time, I think of it made symbolic of something or what, but I'll tell you, I was sure startled, but I think subsequently uh, I've told people about it, and they said, well, maybe there's a symbol there. Or what would you call that, a vision? I don't know, but it, uh, for a moment, I've uh, since then I haven't had a something like this, but ironically I'd been thinking that uh, before I went to sleep how we can possibly uh, communicate with our ancestors uh, psychically. And I don't know if it's a why, why do you Why do you think they were your ancestors? Well, I mean, this is I got to thinking about that subject by coincidental. I don't think that they are, but I, I got the feeling they're from overseas. I don't know if that's of any importance. Um, Maybe, uh, all right, no, uh, thank you very much. Maybe what happened is you just sort of crossed psychic paths for a few moments with somebody who was doing some kind of experiment somewhere else or somebody else who was dabbling in areas they perhaps should not have been, and you were simply the receptor for that tampering. Now, that's an absolute stab in the dark for somebody who is simply a talk show host and listened to your story. I don't have the slightest idea what it was. But um, if you'd had a couple, it certainly would sober you up, wouldn't it? We'll be back. There'll be more. This is Ghost to Ghost AM. the Kingdom of Nye. You're hearing Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell on the CBC Radio Network. Black and orange gray cat sitting on a bed Ain't got enough dough to pay the rent I'm flat broke but I don't care I shot right by with my tail in the air Actually, everybody, this is Ghost to Ghost AM. Good morning. I'm Art Bell. We're telling ghost stories tonight, maybe tomorrow night. Oh, and they're weird. Very weird. Take this one, for example. Art, as soon as you suggested we turn down the lights if we dare, 
The lights in my room dimmed by half. As I write this, there is still dim. Oh, that's weird. Really weird. This is the night for weird. Then this. Hi, Art. Great show. First off, in my 35 years, I have never encountered anything of a strange nature before. That is, until just recently. I'll let you decide if this is a ghost story or not. But I'm now convinced. I've been living at an apartment complex for about two and a half years. I work nights, therefore I sleep in the day. Figures. I do too. After a few months, um, a few months after moving into my apartment, I'd be awakened from a sound sleep by the feeling that someone was in bed with me. It was as though someone was thrashing wildly about the bed. But when I looked at the bed, it was as empty as was the bedroom. This happened every day during the month of September and stopped after September 21st. I thought it was just a sleep disorder. Since it seemed to have disappeared, I soon forgot it. Then, the following September, the same thing happened. And just as before, it stopped after the 21st. I went to my doctor. I discussed it with him, and he gave me some pills. Anyway, last month, it began again, and the pills did not work. As the 21st approached, the thrashing feeling would be more intense and last longer in, uh, into the, uh, to the point where I could no longer get any sleep. Now, after two days of no sleep, I came home from work, and a neighbor, who I've been having a passing acquaintance with, noticed my haggard look. He asked me if I was sick. I told him that I wasn't getting much sleep lately. One thing led to another, and before I knew it, I told him of my strange tale, but I left out the thing about it only happening during the month of September. Now, this guy has lived at this complex for 15 years, and here's what he told me. Quote, I often wondered why no one stayed for very long in your unit. Now I think I know. Back in September of 1981, a young lady lived in your apartment. And later that month, was found dead on her bed. The autopsy showed that she had been strangled and put up one hell of a fight. End quote. Now I believe the thrashing about my bed is the spirit of this lady. Another thing that's strange is that it only happens during the day, not the night. Therefore, I feel she must have died during the day. What do you think? What should I do? Jim in Phoenix, Arizona. Buddy, I wouldn't begin to try to tell you what to do. I don't know. More Ghost to Ghost AM in just a moment. I call it that. Normally, the uh, name of the show, by the way, is Coast to Coast AM. But tonight, and maybe a bit of tomorrow night, it's ghost to ghost. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Where are you calling from, please? Houston, Alaska. Houston, Alaska. Right. All right. Uh, well, welcome to the show. Thanks. My name's Linda. Hi, Linda. And uh, let me tell you first that I was born on Friday the 13th. And this story that I'm going to tell you um, happened to me 35 years ago when I was 13. Oh. In a place called Westfield, Massachusetts. All right. And uh, at 13, I went to a public school there, 
And at 13, I had a crush on a boy that went to uh, Catholic school. And I talked a couple of my friends in on a Monday night to go to uh, see him after catechism got out. Ah, yes. And uh, we had a curfew time. We had to be home. And um, we knew we were going to be late. So my friend's, which was a kitty corner to the church, was an old cemetery. And it had the wrought iron and the stone wall. Oh, and yes. It, I, as, as a child, I don't remember it ever being used, but it was an old cemetery. It was pretty shut down. And uh, my friends talked me into going through the cemetery to take a shortcut home. So I was always a tomboy. I wasn't afraid of anything. So we took off through the cemetery running. And halfway through the cemetery... Well, if you weren't afraid, then why were you running? Well, we had a deadline to get home. I've got you. All right. Okay. We took off running through the cemetery... And halfway through the cemetery, I fell through the ground. I and beg your pardon? I fell through the ground. Through the ground. In other words, a you, hole, you, which I assumed was a was grave. A grave. Yeah, right. And the dirt came in down alongside around me. Oh, boy. And I was screaming. I had um, bugs that I assumed were termites. They had wings on them that were I was covered with. Oh, my God. And at that time, as 13 years old, I was only about 5'1". Mm. I didn't know how I was going to get out of here. I remember screaming. Mm. And I felt something around my feet, a pressure, not any, nothing, you know, that was grabbing onto me, but some kind of pressure that lifted me up out of that dirt. And I was at a dead run, and I didn't stop until I got to the other side of the cemetery. And my friends were there, and I was covered with dirt, and I was covered with all these, which I assume probably were termite bugs that were all over me. And I never, to this day, have been in a cemetery. I'm 48 years old, and I've never been back in a cemetery to this day. <laughs> I cannot say I blame you. That, uh, to me, would be the end of me, dear, because I would have a heart attack right now. That on was the very spot. scary. Uh, fortunately, your heart was young enough to take it, I guess. Right. Uh, great story. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care. Uh, from Alaska. Oh, man. Can you imagine uh, running across a cemetery in the dark, falling into a grave with bugs crawling all over you? I remember, you remember Poltergeist? I don't know, it's etched into my memory. Do you remember at the end when the graves began popping up and they fell into the pool? Do you remember that? And the skeletons and the sort of half, Fleshy, half non-fleshy things began popping up in the pool. I wouldn't make it through that. I wouldn't even begin to make it through that. I'd turn around in that mucky water and look at one of those flabbing flesh things, and uh, I'd have my heart attack on the spot. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Hello, Art. Hello. Where are you? Uh, Austin, Texas. Austin, welcome. Yes, I'm calling about a story that uh, if my family finds out I'm telling this, I'm going to be in big trouble, but it occurred in Louisiana about 100 years ago, and it's still occurring to this day. Oh. Uh, it's a 100-year-old ghost story uh, that occurred originally in Cachetta, Louisiana, and uh, I had an aunt and uncle that lived 100 years ago, uh, several generations removed, and... Uh, they were recently married, and my aunt died shortly after the marriage, and the uncle was de completely devastated. And when 
he was going to bury the, his wife. Uh, she was in her 20s. They hadn't been married for a year. He had the coffin ordered from New Orleans. He wanted a special coffin. He wanted a glass coffin. Mm-hmm. And he wanted her buried in Metairie Cemetery in New Orleans. Metairie. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, it, uh, he was told that it would take six months for the coffin to be uh, ordered. And so in order, he waited for the, the coffin to come uh, to, up to Shreveport, up to uh, his area. And he would keep the corpse upstairs in his house. Uh, in the bedroom, and uh, according to the, the the servants at the house, he would uh, kiss the corpse every night before he would go to bed. Oh, boy. Uh, the servant said that, uh, well, he, he would order them to take the corpse out every day and air the corpse out in ah. a barrel and for six months. And he had a Ouija board, as you were uh, talking about earlier. Yes. A Ouija board, he, the servant said he would talk to the corpse every night uh, and and have conversations and apparently this was a jealous uh, uh, ghost and the servants were horrified they would not clean this room they said that candles wouldn't light when they went up there there was cold air the the candles would blow out they could hear low-level whispers and they said objects would fall from the room and at night, they would, after a while, after a certain point, they would hear conversations between uh, an un- my uncle and and uh, uh, some corpse. other voice. Some other voice, the corpse, I presume. Oh, my God. And uh, so, uh, as I say, no one would go into this room uh, for many years. Uh, eventually, the glass coffin did arrive. They did bury her in Metairie Cemetery in New Orleans. She's still there to this day in a crypt. And uh, did that uh, did that end it? No, because for uh, up till this, uh, for, up until the 1970s, uh, all of my relatives who would go to visit this house would not visit that room. They still said that cold area was still there. They could uh, they could still feel the presence. Uh, I remember going there as a child with my aunt. My aunt had shaky legs; she wouldn't even walk up the stairs. They could hear the squeaky wheels of the of the wheelbarrow. Uh, at night of uh, the wheelbarrow that was supposed to air out the corpse. They could still hear that in the 1960s and 70s. And uh, there was a portrait that they couldn't photograph. Is this, is this something that your family will not talk about? It's not something that they're proud of. <laughs> uh, there, there is, but it, but it is something that everyone knows about. And there is uh, a certain member in the family who is a keeper of the key to the crypt, who does have a, a key to the... Uh, uh, would you go in there? Uh, yeah, I guess I would, uh, just out of curiosity, because it's been uh, uh, something I've heard about all my life, and I'm, I'm curious about it. All right. Well, I, I listen, I very much appreciate your call, but there's no way that I would. There's no way. Absolutely no way. Now... You tell me, you explain to me, but that man is just like the women in the low-cut dresses who the moment you hear the bump and the grind in the basement, immediately do what? They go down the stairs to the basement, the one place where you know they ought not go. Everybody knows evil things lurk in dark basements, but they go straight down there and see if that fellow had the key, where would he go? He'd go, he'd go look and he'd go look at the body. I know he would. I wouldn't. Would you? 
Listen, I want to uh, want to tell you uh, two things. One, uh, if you would like a copy, and we have uh, over two more hours of this program yet to do. If you, this is one program that we make available to the audience. If you would like a copy of the program you are listening to right now, you can call one eight hundred nine one seven four two seven eight. Let me give you that number again because I know a lot of you are going to want it. It's one eight hundred nine one seven four two seven eight, and it is good now, twenty four hours a day. It is the Ghost to Ghost Halloween Show. One other little item. We know we're going on in a whole bunch of new affiliate areas this morning. Love to hear from you by fax. We do have a 24-hour-a-day fax service, which sounds pretty fancy. It's really just a fax machine uh, in my living room. (laughs) The number is area code 702-727-8499. Nine. Let me give that to you again. I'd love to hear from uh, somebody in New York confirming we're on uh, way back in uh, New York, Rochester. Area code 702-727-8499. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Well, hello, Art. This hello. Scott from Graham, Washington. Hello, Scott. And this is something that happened over on the west side of the Olympic Mountains. Yes, sir. And it's up the Queets River. Anyway, we were, uh, there was four of us, and we had two pickup trucks and one camper on one truck. And we went up to this beautiful spot with the river, and on the other side of the river is a cliff with these just huge boulders, probably five to a thousand pound boulders. Big just rocks. huge. Big rocks. Big rocks. And so we got up there, and it was dusk, and when, when it's dark up there, I mean, it is dark, I mean, you can't even see your hand in front of your face. Understood. And so we decided to sit all in one camper and have a good old poker game. Mm-hmm. So we were all sitting around playing poker, and it was about 1.30 a.m., and we heard some splashes in the river, and we heard some grunts. Grunts. Yeah, just kind of huge grunts. So we figured it was probably a bear out there having fun in the river, you know. Don't like grunts. Yeah, and so after a while, the grunts seemed to get louder. Mm. And we heard, like, big rocks hitting each other. You know how you can hear the crack of rocks? Of course. And after a while, these rocks seemed to get closer and closer to our camper. And you could feel the rocks hit the ground outside to kind of a big thud. And I'm telling you, we all looked at each other, and we said, nobody's going outside. I mean, we were armed to the teeth, but we were scared to death. I wouldn't. Uh, You mean like those gigantic rocks? You know, coming out of the air and hitting the ground like that? Yes. Mm, it's just like bad. somebody was over there throwing these huge rocks. Uh-huh. And then, you know, I, I wanted to call you last week about the Sasquatch sounds because you wouldn't believe this. I mean, the hair on the back of our necks was standing up. It's standing up now. Was it like the sound I've got? It was close, but not really. I mean... I mean, we're closer to the first one that Linda Howe sent or the second one? The second one. That, and you mean sounds... That? That absolutely horrible, it was a, I don't know what I would call that. I would call that, it almost sounds human. To me, it sounded like a man in horrible, horrible agony. That's the only way I can think to put it. 
Is that about the way it sounded? Oh, you wouldn't believe it, Art. It was just about like that, and it was echoing up and down the the river, and it was it was terrible. We were we were terrified, and these rocks were you could almost hear them whistling through the air, and they were crashing on the other side of our camper. They were hitting in the water, and the cracking of the rocks, and this went on Art for three hours. And we were, we what do you guys there. do? You just sit there and sort of shake at the table, well, or what? We're on the floor of the camper. We we just couldn't move. We didn't know if one of these rocks were going to hit us. Oh, uh, now you what. see that sounds realistic to me. That's where I'd be. Floor of the camper. You betcha. And we were armed to the teeth. Let me tell you. And I was ready for anything. And this went on for three hours, and it was about like four thirty in the morning, and the sun started coming up, and we're all looking at each other, going, "Thank God." Yeah. Especially because I had to go to the bathroom. But anyway. And so we finally had enough nerve to go outside the door because the crashing and everything had stopped like about an hour before the sun came up. See, I would have waited, too, for the crashing to stop and for the sun to come up. Okay, sounds good so far. Okay, so we decided we'd go outside. And finally we we opened up the door and we we all got out. And I said, you guys get out here. you got to see this. And the other truck was just fine. But around our truck and the camper were these huge boulders in a circle around the camper. Oh, my God. What, uh, I, I presume to this day you have no idea what it was. No, but we're, uh, we, it, it had to be something... Awfully big. Awfully big. Because it took us pushing with one truck and pulling with another to get them far enough out of the way so we could get the truck and the camper out. That's an incredible story. Do you, do you, do you swear... That's true. Oh, yes. And this happened in 1975 because it's when I got out of the service and all four of us got together because we used to go on camping trips when, when we were in high school. And to this day, we when we get together, I mean, this, you know, <laughs> this is something we, we always talk about. You still about. talk about. I can imagine you would. Well, I, you know, that one is almost a topper. I What an, an absolutely incredible story. There. And so that's where it ended. You hauled the rocks away, and that was it. Yeah, we pushed them out of the way, and we got out of there. And Something. I have never been up there again. I can't blame you. Thank I will you. not go. Thank you very much for the story. Thank, Thank you, you, sir. Art. Take care. Something that big with those kinds of rocks. No, thank you. This is Ghost to Ghost AM. I'm Art Bell. For some, we'll be right back. calls on the wild card line at 702-727-1295. That's 702-727-1295. First-time callers can reach Art Bell at 702-727-1222. 702-727-1222. Now, here again, Art Bell. Good morning. 
It's Halloween all across America. And we are doing what we do every Halloween. We're doing ghost to ghost. If you've got a good ghost story, we're here for you. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. No, I think we just missed that person. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Yes. Um, I have a ghost story for you. All right. I was... All ears. <laughs> Where are you? I'm in Pasco, Washington. Okay. I was camping earlier this summer with a friend up in the mountains. There was actually three of us. We went up... Another camping story. Did you hear the last one? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, not that bizarre, actually. We were up... Up in the mountains, probably 20 miles from the nearest town and 10 miles from the nearest person. Yes. Way out on a logging road up on a clear cut. Someplace we used to go, you know, just for the weekend or something where nobody would be around. And sure. We were up there and me and my, me and this girl went walking down the road and my friend was sitting up by the campfire and we come back about 10, 15 minutes later and he's in the car hiding. Thought, no, he's probably got tired and went to sleep. Yeah. He gets out of the car and goes, who is the guy that just came by? And I looked at him and said, get real, man. We're 10 miles from the nearest person. Who the heck could come up here? Right. He said, some guy in a black robe comes by, looks at him and says, this isn't right. And just walks off. <laughs> oh. Meaning uh, he thought, what, this isn't right that you are here? That's what, that's what neither one of us could understand because he'd never been there before. And the road that I was on, they had clear-cut it in another direction, so the road was almost grown over, and I remembered where it was. You know, it was one of the roads that trees had now come up in the middle of. Right. And he had, we had no idea what the heck he was talking about. And he just kept going on. Somebody came by and said, this isn't right. And he just kept going on and on. <laughs> so finally we just left because he was just going ecstatic about it. That's weird, all right. <laughs> That's very weird. And um, and so you just never found out anything more about this? Huh. He still, I mean, every time I talk to the guy, he still goes on about this. He still thinks I had somebody up there with us. But where we were, there was it was impossible for anybody to have found us. I mean, it was one of those places, if you were to get hurt or something, nobody would find you. Well, I guess that's one of those things you're going to have to wonder about your whole life, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. I have another quick one, if you don't mind. Very quickly, yes. I worked in a plant up in a little city up north of here called Lake Stevens. Actually, it's on the other side of the mountains from us. Right. And I was in I was in working one night. It was in, actually it was a Prestolog plant, and it was very noisy, so you wore earplugs. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I heard somebody call my voice. There was only two of us that worked in the plant, so I figured it was the other guy. And he was out on the forklift outside, so I went outside. And as I'm going out, he's coming in and said, what did you want? There was nobody around. <laughs> <laughs> he said the plant had been doing it. Ever since they had built the plant, it's done that. One person will hear somebody call their name, and the other person will come in as the other person's going to look for the other one. But nobody could figure it out. Well, it's just, uh, it's in line. Thank you very much for the story. It's exactly the kind of thing we're talking about. Art, my father died of cancer in the summer of 1992. Now, I'm in the Navy. Was stationed in Maryland at the time. I knew he was ill. But the cancer spread to his spine unexpectedly and caused him to become incapacitated literally overnight. My wife and I had to travel to the hospital in Florida. He was so incoherent by then, 
that I never got a chance to speak to him one last time. He died a few days after our arrival, moments before we got to the hospital on that particular day. After paying my respects and comforting my mom, my wife and I left the hospital. We entered an elevator that was going down to the lower parking area. Suddenly, the elevator began going up and stopped on the next floor. The door opened, but there was no one in sight. Also, there were no stairs that anyone could have exited by. The doors began to close and then opened abruptly as if someone were blocking the entrance. This happened several times until my, my wife finally said, Okay, Preston, knock it off. The doors closed. The elevator took us to our desired floor. I feel this was simply an attempt by my father to let me know that he was there, that he was okay. Just thought you'd enjoy the story. Thanks. James in Honolulu, Hawaii. There you are. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. How you doing, Art? Okay. I've been trying to get a hold of you all night. Where are you? I'm in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, listening on KZIM. Oh, that's right. You're on a portable phone, too, aren't you? Uh, cordless phone, yeah. Yep. Do you have a regular one? Uh, no, I don't. You don't. All right. Well, we'll put up with it. Go ahead. Well, I've got a, I've got a story that's really, uh, going to scare you and um, kind of scare me whenever hmm. I think about it. But I used to be in the Air Force, and I was stationed uh, at F.E. Warren Air Force Base, Cheyenne, Wyoming. Right. And that's a really haunted base. If anybody knows about that base, they know what I'm talking about. Haunted in what way? Well, it's, it used to be an old cavalry base. And there's been a lot of murders, a lot of cavalry murders, Indian murders, suicides, um, just stuff like that in the dormitories, and it's just a really haunted base. I mean, there's ghosts of dogs in the dorm that I used to live in. Really? Yeah, it was really scary, but I was going through some really rough times, and um, I was, I just moved back into the dormitory, and I would, every once in a while, see this, like, dark cloud, like, kind of like a, um, a gas cloud above my bed or down the hall. And then whenever I would look at it directly, it wouldn't be there anymore. And then I'd be getting dressed and um, taking care of my uniform, looking in the mirror and everything, and out of the corner of my eye, I'd see this face and these hands peeking at me around a corner. And I'd mm. look, and nothing would be there. And the face was all black and had blue, kind of bluish eyes. Dad. I mean, dark blue, like, like a navy blue. Uh-huh. And, um, I mean, it was just it was really... And then one night, I was missing home really bad, and I thought, well, my mom... All right, sir, your phone is breaking up. Okay, can you hear me better? Yeah, that's better. Okay. Quit moving around. All right, my mother is into the new age stuff. Yep. She was telling me about a lot of the stuff she used to do, and I tried it once. I tried to go back home. Um, she called it like astral projection, and I tried that. I didn't know how to do it, but I was laying down on my bed and I was concentrating as hard as I could on home and I felt myself sit up but when I looked I was laying I saw my body laying down and I could see right through my legs I could see through everything ooh that's weird yeah and then a friend of mine I, I saw a friend of mine come through the door and say hey Spence get up are you coming with us and at that moment I, it, it felt like I was sucked down into my body and it scared me so bad I never tried it again 
I don't blame you. Uh, thank you very much for the call. Uh, it was a terrible phone, but a good story. And I also believe that uh, projection from the body, what he called astral projection, is possible. That if we, uh, uh, kind of like in uh, some of the movies that I've seen, somewhere in time particularly, our mind is capable of many, many things, including possibly time travel and out-of-body travel. I'm not an expert. I simply listen to the stories. On our first-time caller line, you're on the air. Hello there. Hello, Art. Yes. Oh, my name is Samantha. Samantha, that's a good, good Halloween name. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Where are you? I'm in Las Vegas. Uh, oh, wonderful. K-V-E-G. K-V-E-G. The big I, 840. I love it. Excellent. Yes. Well, I just thought I'd tell you a few flower stories about my mother. She, uh, one time I was talking to her. She died in 1982. I'm sorry. And uh, uh, she was talking to me about 1976 and on the phone. And she said, uh, all of a sudden she's like, no, flowers. You know, these, uh, she was very strong, like stalk or carnation. And she says, that's the, that's the flower my sister Edith likes. Yes. And about an hour later, she got a call that Edith had died. Huh. Then, when my mother died, I, of course, got the flowers. And I've been getting them, oh, every year or so. It's like a bubble around your head. And if you walk away from it, you don't smell it. And you walk back to where you were, you smell it. So it's in place, and you have to walk into it, literally. Yes, or I'll be sitting on the on the couch, reading or something, and all of a sudden it'll come around my head, and it's like a bubble, with a, and it's sweet peas with my mother because that was her flower. And if I walk away from it, it's gone. I go back, and it's there, and it's it'll there. last about five minutes. Huh. This has happened to uh, two of my sons. Energy. Usually in doorways. Uh-huh. And, and you know, there's no... Um, no flowers in the house, no perfume or anything. And uh, you'll walk out of the doorway. My son would say, what's that smell? And I said, well, walk back in the doorway and you'll, you'll find it again. Huh. And it's just her uh, little visitation. Well, I believe you. Um, I, I surely do believe you, and I, I thank you for the call, and I'll tell you something. I've heard many stories that involve spirits of people and flowers. Flowers that uh, have lived as long as a person lives and flowers that have been healthy and thriving. And then the moment somebody dies, the flower, the bush, the tree dies. Is there some kind of uh, sympathetic reaction? I don't know what you'd call it, but I have heard many, many such stories. In a world gone crazy, it's kind of nice to be able to relax, especially on a night like this. Put on some music and let it all go. That's what Higher Octave and their music does for me. And believe me, it'll do it for you, too. Uh, first, let us go east of the Rockies. You're on the air. Hello. Hey. Hey. I uh, wanted to get in a plug for satellite, too, because if it weren't for satellite, I wouldn't be able to hear you right now. You're in uh, where? Where are you? Gainesville, Georgia. Gainesville, Georgia. WDUN. Uh, and we oh, lose yeah. you at 5 a.m. Eastern. Well, that's when I guess they begin their morning show. Yes, it is, and I'd much rather listen to you. Well, that's very kind. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're on, 
I should tell people that, I guess. We're on um, F1, satellite F1. Oh, well, they've changed it back to C1 now. C1, F1, <laughs> a, a satellite band, any other name. Um, and transponder number 5 mm -hmm. and 5.8 audio. So there you are, everybody. Uh, so we're glad you have still got us. Do you have a story? Yes, I do. In fact, I've got, it's a, I'm not sure just where to start because this, the situation started with Ouija board, as you were talking about earlier. Uh. But the part I want to tell you about most occurred further on down, so I'll, I'll skip that. All right. I was a, my freshman year in a small southern college and uh, ran into a guy in the student center who started talking about witchcraft. Yes. And was telling us stuff and claimed to be a black witch and had us had me, you know, curious and there were three others that were with us that were with me a lot that we were talking to him about it. And uh one day he wanted us to go with him that night to uh, a black mass. Mm. And I was brought up brought Protestant. I didn't wasn't even sure what mass was. And uh my best friend, my roommate, had a test schedule the next day so she said she wasn't going to go. She had to study and had to get some sleep. Well, the key word, of course, was black. There are masses and masses. Yes, yes. And I, you know, and I don't know that I really believed that he was a witch. I was thought that a lot of it he was just you know, trying to take advantage of gullible freshmen. And so there was a curiosity factor. Yeah. Sure. And so we decided we were going to go. Mm -hmm. And this was back during the time when the dorms were locked at 11 o'clock and the women were not allowed to be out of the dorms and, you oh, know, yes. back in the dark ages. <laughs> and uh, so... I chickened out at the last minute and decided I wasn't going to go because if I'd gotten, you know, caught out of the dorm, I could have been expelled and I'd worked too hard to get to college to take the risk. Right. And uh, so we had planned to leave by different doors and meet outside, and I just I didn't go. Uh, and I you know, felt really bad. I felt like I was being punished for something I hadn't done because I wasn't able to participate. Mm-hmm. During the night, oh, maybe 5 a.m., I'm not sure exactly, the fire alarm went off in the building. And it was an old building, and it, this happened periodically. And uh, I wondered if maybe my friends had caused the alarm, somebody to set off the alarm for them to cover, help cover getting back in sure. the next morning. Sure. So I, you know, threw on my raincoat. We, we always kept a raincoat and shoes handy because the alarm went off so frequently and headed out the front door. Well, coming, I was watching for them as I went out, and I saw them coming back in. And um, they were ahead of me, and I tried to you know, push through the crowd and catch up to them. And uh, as they were getting, they had gotten on the elevator, and just before the elevator closed, I got close enough to, to see them, and they were looking, you know, facing forward, and they just, they were white as a sheet. They looked like, you know, some of the shock victims that you see sometimes on Red Cross disaster films. Yes. Walking around. Yes. And I, I didn't know what was going on. And so the, it was an old elevator, and it moved slow. So I went running on up the steps because I figured I could beat it up to third floor where their room was and, you know, catch them as they got off. Yes. Uh, got started, and I was about halfway up, and I heard the alarm go off in the elevator. It had stalled between floors. Oh, boy. And um, the what had happened, I found out later, is they had packed like 15 people, you know, just tight as they could pack them in there before the doors closed, and the capacity of the elevator was around 8,000 pounds or something. I mean, 800 pounds. It was just a, a small elevator, and they just had really overloaded it, almost double. Okay, we're almost out of time, so quickly, what happened? Uh, well, bottom line, there's a lot more. <laughs> the bottom line with them is, the, is uh, God, I don't know where to go from this. 
the when they finally got them, it took like three hours to get everybody out of the elevator. And my two friends were both in shock and were sedated. And uh, their parents picked them up that day and took them home. And I didn't see them again. But there was a guy that disappeared that night also that we found out later. It took a few days. And the, the guy that I've been talking to in the student center told me that he would, was going to turn up soon. And about three weeks later, we heard that his body had been found in the college lake. His neck, his throat had been cut, and it looked like his body had been drained of blood. Oh, my God. But All right. Then, well, look, we're going to have to leave it there because we're, we're out of time. But that was pretty gory. A lot of uh, bad stories seem to involve elevators, don't they? <laughs> Toll-free, west of the Rockies at 1-800-618-8255. 1-800-618-8255. East of the Rockies at 1-800-825-5033. 1-800-825-5033. This is the CBC Radio Network. This is Ghost to Ghost, actually. Good morning, everybody. Is this not a fabulous rendition? <laughs> you know what this is, don't you? No? Uh, it's painted black by the Rolling Stones. It's the London Symphony. In case you were curious. I just recently found you for the first time on KABC 790 in Los Angeles, and I'm very glad to have done so. Great shows. Thanks to you and KABC. From the time I was about seven years old to 15, I used to have a recurring dream. Premonition? Maybe about once every couple of months. It would always end the same, with me sitting straight up in bed in cold sweats and scared so, so bad it's hard to describe. The dream always started with two guys in an old jeep out in the desert, just cruising along. I can see the desert and the worn dirt road. I could feel the heat. I could hear the sounds as they're going down this old, totally deserted road. Every, everything's just fine. The jeep begins to go up a long, inclined hill. There are telephone poles along the left side of the road, and the road seems to be almost perfectly straight, stretching out behind, climbing with the slope in front. Up till here, everything's just fine. Then the jeep crests the top of the hill, and I can never see anything that the two guys see. But what I do see is just their faces. Just sheer terror. Not fear, but something worse. Last time I would see that jeep,
turned on its right side off the road about 20 feet, looking like it had been there for a long time. When I was 15, I went to school with a friend down to Salton Sea in California, the desert. Second day we were there, he said he wanted to show me some old abandoned building, so we took off in his grandfather's jeep out what was called Powerline Road. Well, we were about an hour from the house. The road began to climb upward, power lines on the left. All at once, all that fear from the dreams came back like a tidal wave, and I began to freak. I'm yelling at Steve to stop the jeep or I'm going to jump out. I was not going over the crest of that hill, no way. At first, he thought I was messing with him, but he realized I meant it. He stopped, and I told him about the dreams. He kind of laughed at them. But we turned around and never, ever went down that road again. I never had the dream again. But the hair on the back of my neck is standing up now the way it did that day. Dan in Los Angeles. I believe you, Dan. West of the Rockies, uh, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Art. Cameron in uh, San Francisco, KSFO. Hi, Cameron. Well, I got... Uh, a whole bunch of them, and I had to think about it, and I finally came up with the, the best one that I've experienced. That's I to... what I like. Okay. Well, this one, did you ever see 2010? Of course. Well, you remember where the, that ghost is on the ship, and he says that something's about to happen, something wonderful? I do. Well, this is that kind of story. All um, right. When I was uh, about 20, I uh, I just became a father on accident, and... And I was sitting in a karaoke bar sulking. I wasn't drinking, but I was in the karaoke bar sulking, getting sulking. ready to yeah. sing. And, and my girlfriend walked in, and she's about six months pregnant, and I wasn't supposed to be out that night. And I just figured, you know, I, I got all this youth inside me, and, and I kind of realized at that point, you know, I was just... So you were going to try to sing away your blues. Right? <laughs> yeah, I was going to sing away my blues. <laughs> going to try and sing it all away. I, I just wanted to ignore, you know, the fact that, I well, I guess it's time to grow up. I hear you. I mean, it is very sobering uh, when she walks in and you see the big belly and you realize. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm I'm sitting there and, and a few years before that I I made a, an oath. You know, I swore, and this was a spiritual mistake on my part. I I swore on my father's grave that I would quit smoking, and I'm sitting here in front of my computer with a cigarette right now. Uh huh. Well, I'm sitting in that bar, and then the I got this strange feeling, right? Yeah. That somebody was standing behind me. You know when you get that feeling like you're being watched? Right. Well, I'm sitting there, and I get this strange feeling I'm standing behind me. And, and since then, I kind of think I got eyes in the back of my head, you know, and I and I could almost make out this figure watching me. Well, I know that feeling. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Especially with all the, the phone calls you get, and who knows what might be standing behind you that comes through the phone lines like that one witch set. <laughs> you're absolutely right, yes. Don't remind me, please. Uh, I won't. Well, at any rate, I'm I'm standing there, and and all of a sudden I feel these hands on my shoulder, and I knew I I, I just knew that it was my dad, and I could and I could feel him standing there, putting his hands on my shoulder, going, "It's all right, son. You gotta grow up." And I could hear this little voice, uh, and and I swear to God, I it was right through the music. I I even remember the song was was playing was was White Rabbit. And I heard this voice say, uh, it's okay, it's just okay. And then I I felt this light behind me, and he went, and he just left. And it kind of it brought me, you know, I've been listening to you talk about this God thing. 
it, uh, you know, God. how would God let himself be known? And, I, and you know, I, after that moment, I kind of think that we just know. If God was to come here, if, if we're these humans, we just know it was him. We wouldn't we, have to. We have wouldn't to, have to wonder, huh? Yeah. But good, the, the it's a good one point. Thing, Huh? Yeah, I said it's a good point uh, that people would just know. Yeah, we got it in us. But since that day, every time I look at my daughter, and it's it's the I, I right now I'm getting chills up my spine. I can see him in her eyes. I can see him. I, I don't know if it's you know one of those reincarnation things or if it's I don't know what it is, but I just get this eerie sense. I understand. Every time I look in her eyes, there's somebody I, I've known for years in there. But I, I don't know. I just thought I'd tell you about that one because it's my favorite. I appreciate it, sir. And Thanks. I appreciate your call. Thank you. I, I, Of course I know what you mean. And to look into your daughter's eyes and to see him. Hmm. Well, that is one way we live on, isn't it? On the first-time caller line, you're on the air. Hi, Art. Hi. I'm calling from Merced, KYOS. Yes, indeed. Um, and mine's very short, and I don't know what if it was a ghost or a real person, but I was up in the Santa Cruz Mountains with, in a Volkswagen huh. and 1970s somewhere and with my friend, and we were coming back from um, a place up in the Santa Cruz Mountains called the Chateau Liberté. Yes. And anyway, we're coming down these mountains, and they're all curvy and, and everything, and as we came down... Um, Probably Route 17, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, matter of fact. I know the road. All right, great. Well, you know, then it's all rocky at some areas on the side with all tree. I mean, it's all green and all that and trees. and, and But anyway, we're, it's a two-lane road, right? And we're coming along, and it's down one of the downhill ways. And <clears throat> there's this, we come in, and, and I'm, we're kind of talking, you know, a couple girls, and we're talking. And, and there's this man lying in the road on our side of the road and he's lying in the road with his head on the white line and he has on a suit that's like kind of checkered it's not a you know a normal suit but it's a suit right. and we just notice it very quickly it's a checkered suit and, and he's just lying there and we dodge him at the last moment and um, that's all we ever saw of him you know it was just a dodge of this man but he was lying there and he was smiling he wasn't dead he wasn't squished or anything you know he was just lying in the road and and we looked back and we didn't you know you couldn't see in the dark but he he wasn't you know there wasn't a grimace on his face or any pain or anything he was just lying in the middle of the road well you lie on the white line long enough and you will be squished well absolutely but there were caught there was like headlights way in the distance behind us and they didn't make a swerve or anything so we didn't know and there were one of the really quick thing is uh, my mother grew up in the hills of virginia and she told me lots of stories. We had many sisters, you know, and uh, seven sisters. Anyway, they were coming home one night, and their mother, through the woods, if you can imagine coming home through the woods at night, but they sure. did it all the time then. And, any, and at any rate, they came in, and they were supposed to get home before dark, and they didn't. And there was a little creek-like thing that they had to jump over, and it was small enough to jump over. But when they jumped over, it was dark, and they were afraid of getting wet and getting in trouble. And as sure. they jumped over, a match lit underneath of them out of the middle of the water. <laughs> yeah, there are many stories like that from them. All right, thank but you. Thank I, you I, very much. All right, take care. Um, the one about the road, uh, 17 is uh, a rough highway. It's like uh, Highway 1 in a lot of ways, though, uh, inland. And then there's Blood Alley up in San Jose. 
Roads where a lot of people have been killed tend to be roads that are haunted. It's not really a reach to understand why. People died there. Spirits, energy, linger on those roads. It's just the way it is. You don't believe? That's fine. But it is true, you know. You're listening to Coast to Coast AM, actually this night, called Ghost to Ghost. All right, back to the lines. We go east of the Rockies. You're on the air, Ghost to Ghost AM. All righty. Where are you? I am in Owensboro, Kentucky, listening to WOMI. Uh, it's a good place to be. Welcome. Well, thanks. <laughs> uh, have you ever heard of a ghost fire? A ghost fire? Yeah. Not exactly. Uh... Well, oh, our railway station here in Owensboro was converted into a pizza place, uh, maybe. In I'm sorry, into a what? A pizza, <coughs> oh, a pizza, pizza, a restaurant. Oh, I understand. Okay. Into a restaurant. Interesting. And I worked Denver. there. Uh-huh. And there was this huge fireplace close to the kitchen. But it hadn't been used for years. There was, there was no reason to. But you could you could hear the flames crackling in it and feel heat from it, but there wasn't anything there. Oh, now, that's weird. Now, have you ever heard of anything like that? No, I know it happened. Everybody that worked there knew it. Did it happen? But we could never come up with an explanation. Did it happen frequently? Yes. I don't think I'd like that. Well, it was a spooky old place. It just every now and then happened, huh? Yeah. So you, you could you could go over near it and warm yourself yeah, by the invisible. You, you could you could feel heat from it. You could hear the fire crackling, but you didn't see any fire. It was just there. No, you're the first. Well, <laughs> good. But okay. this this is a place for first. I appreciate your story. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. I have no idea what to say about that. No idea. The manifestations of whatever it is on the other side are nearly endless. You've heard how many tonight? How can you not wonder? As our scientists wonder about the 100 million planets that they say inhabit, uh, have inhabited intelligent life, how can you not wonder about the kind of stories you're hearing this morning? How can you not? First time caller line, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art. Hello. Finally, I got through. It's the seventh time. Well, I'm glad you made it. Where are you? Oh, I'm living in Reno, Nevada. Uh, KOH. I'm uh, looking at my black cat right now. I have two of them. Yes, and my cat's name is Shadow. I've had him for two years. You're kidding. No, when I heard you had a shadow, too, I said, oh, all right. I do, and shadow was so named because of ghost. Oh, I know. I know the whole story. I listen to you every night I have for four years, every ah. night. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that. So is KOH, I'm sure. Yeah. Now, I've got to tell you my quick short story. I have a lot of stories. I lived in a house that was like the Amityville Horror. Oh, you did? Yes. But that's a long story. But i got a short one. When I was in high school... Late 50s, I had an old 49 Ford, and I was driving down one of the Reno streets with my girlfriend. 
And we were talking, but now we're quiet, and this beautiful classical music came on. Mm-hmm. And it was very loud, and it was too loud. And I looked at her, I said, could you turn down the radio? And she said, yeah, that's loud. And she reached over, and she said, you don't have a radio. <laughs> and I said, oh, right. And we never discussed it. Um, no, I can understand. Well, that reminds me of that fireplace story. Yeah. It the same is, type of thing. It's kind of like that, isn't it? It's energy... It's energy from someplace else. It's a projection or it's a time slip or who knows what it is. Right. But, and I, but it's something. And our, I wrote you a note, oh, must have been a year ago, when you first started fooling around with the Ouija board. No, no, and no, no, I wrote no. to you at your home and told you, please don't fool with the Ouija board. And I don't think you remember it. You get so many letters and things. I'll tell you, this uh, Ouija board thing is something uh, I will listen to stories, but I, I really won't talk about it. Yeah, but about opinion. six months ago, you said a Halloween, you would discuss it. And well, I, I did. That it must be really <laughs> something. I would love to hear the story because I've got my own. Uh, well, if you want to briefly tell us yours, go ahead. Oh, I wrote you a letter on it. Well, yeah, I know, well, but now you're on the radio. I was so in I Hawaii. Yes. And uh, my husband was watching my friend and I play the Ouija board. Uh. And he decided to blindfold us. Oh, the and interesting said, Yeah, okay. You know, because we were working it. We were really working it. I understand. And we're blindfolded. And suddenly the little plushette, that's what you call the little triangle yes. thing yes. you put your fingers on, yes. flew out. And I pulled a blindfold out. I said, what'd you do, Bruce? You know, knock the thing? He said, no, I held the crucifix over it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you remember that story now? Uh, I do, yes. Yeah. And, um, yes. And, uh, you know, it is, it, it's so serious. It's very serious. And people don't understand, and they think, oh, gee, let's have some fun. Let's play with a Ouija board. And I, I used to feel the same way. I know, because I listen to your show, like I say, every night. I was really concerned about you. That's why I wrote you the note. I was really concerned. And, well, well uh, with, with good reason. Yes, because I knew, but now you know, so. You're um, you're correct. Now I know. Thank you. Okay, Art. Right. Take care. There are a few things that I won't talk about. That really is one of them, and I really uh, do. I'm giving you good advice here when I tell you, don't uh, don't play with Ouija boards. They're not toys. Well, I you know I didn't even know if they're sold anymore. I would imagine that. Uh, uh, that occasionally you could find one somewhere, but if I were you, I wouldn't even go to look. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even think about it if I were you. You're listening to a collection of real. Now oh, you can hear the voices. Real stories of the uh, supernatural. Ghost stories. Stories of other dimensions, other realities, other times. I'm not really sure what it is. I'm just sure that it is. We'll be right back.
Bell is taking calls on the wild card line at 702-727-1295. That's 702-727-1295. First-time callers can reach Art Bell at 702-727-1222. 702-727-1222. Now, here again, Art Bell. I can sure tell you how to send good spirits. Send flowers. You never mistake those for evil. You never mistake flowers for a bad message. It's always warmth, love, caring, feeling. And believe me, it works. East of the Rockies, you're on Ghost to Ghost AM. Good morning, Semper Paratus. <laughs> How you doing? Where are you calling from? Uh, Jacksonville, Florida. All right. Good to have you. Hey, it's great to be here. I've been enjoying your ghost stories and... It's uh, one of the few times I've been able to tune you in here and everything. Uh, and what what station are you managing to get us on? Uh, WOKV. WOKV. Mm-hmm. All right. And just like I said, I've been enjoying your ghost stories and everything. And then after hearing about that great icebreaker you were on, I was an ASM stationed in the Gulf of Mexico out of Houston. Yes, sir. And um, we've had a... a uh, I don't know whether to give you the Coast Guard's official version or our official version of some of the stuff we had seen back you, then. You, you tell me what you know. Okay, this was 1980, 1983, right there. We had several experiences of seeing um, what we termed as ghost ships. And it would never show up on the radar, but we would hear it from, you know, small boats, 41-footers and stuff, of seeing different, like, glowing three-masted type schooner type ships. I yep. guess what you would maybe call an old pirate type ship, old, you know, um, sure. ship of the, maybe the Continental Navy type stuff or whatever. Sure. And then it would be gone. And generally this would happen, like, during the time of a harvest moon. And there must be, uh, energy connected to things and events and that's all I can figure. Ships that come back, ships that linger, maybe ships that went down. Um, now I'm going to ask you the opposite. What, you know, what did the Coast Guard say about this? I mean, if you guys would see it and file a report. Uh, well, we were, I'll put it this way. I was sent for psychological evaluation two different times. Uh-huh. Um, and, well, let's see, the first time I was sent to NASA Bay there and... Got to talk with some of the Air Force's people and some of the government's people, and they'd tell us, oh, well, you know, what you've seen was an electrical phenomenon that was caused by, you know, different types of gravity and all, you know, just a bunch of junk. Uh, second time was told it was some sort of fluorescent stuff caused by the ocean. But um, personally, I mean, <laughs> believe me, I've jumped out of too many helicopters and hit that water and some cold stuff and some warm stuff, and... That there was a cold that you would never forget. You know, it, it was just that real. I hear you, sir, and I believe you. Very unbelievable, but no, very believable also. <laughs> I, I appreciate your call. Thank you. Jacksonville, Florida. I do. I hear you, and I believe you. And you should believe people like that, too, because these things do happen. It's part of our world, unless you turn it off. And I guess you can turn it off. 
And if you do, in all likelihood, these things will not occur to you or around you, or you will not be aware of them, and you may laugh at them. And if that's your way of handling it, uh, I, I don't fault you for that. That's fine. West of the Rockies, you are on the air. Good morning. Where are you calling from, please? Fairbanks, Alaska. Listen to KFAR. Way up in Fairbanks, Alaska. Yeah, we're having a heat wave up here. Um, really? Yeah. Oh, it'd be getting, well, shouldn't it be getting cold up there now? Well, we've only got maybe two inches, three inches of snow, about 36 degrees. Real heat wave. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to mention, I don't think anybody's told you, but uh, one of your favorite singers is going to be here this Friday. Who? Maria Moldauer. Is going to be in Fairbanks? Fairbanks, Alaska. Oh, I hope everybody in Fairbanks says hi. Art said hi to Maria. I wish I could go see her, but I work nights. I just don't work tonight. Well, I'm sure that just about everybody will be going is listening, so everybody, please tell her Art said hi. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, quickly, I got a couple of real short things, and then I got a story. All right. I think God has sent a sign. It's that scream that you are playing that is a Sasquatch. In Australia, they call the Sasquatch a Yowie, and mm -hmm. here in Alaska, they don't call it a Sasquatch, but they call it Hairy Man. They call it what? Harry Man. Harry Man. Well, okay. Harry Man, and they've got a good article in the uh, Alaska magazine, mm -hmm. which I should I should put one in an envelope and send it to you. I would I would very much enjoy that. I think you would. Um, anyway, the story is about a truck a semi that had been in a wreck and killed the driver, but there was no trailer attached to it, and the truck was repaired and put on a lot, and it was sold. Well, every time it was sold, the person that bought it would bring it back and said they couldn't drive it. Something was weird with the truck. They huh. kept bringing it back every time. Finally, one lady bought it. She wanted to get into the trucking, and she dealt with it. She just had to prove to her family and everyone around her that she could survive in the trucking industry. Right. And I may miss some of this because I read this in a, in a little trucking magazine thing. Right. I think it happened in Kentucky, and every time she went by, she'd get a cold feeling over her shoulder every time she went through this one area. Hmm. It was like the truck was beckoning her to go through here or something. Right. And as it turned out, the guy that got killed in that truck had left his trailer somewhere, but it was never found. It was never traced. They could never find it. But he had parked it next to a cliff. And somehow the cliff gave way, and it buried the trailer. And every time she went by this area, she got a cold feeling in that truck. And finally, the rains or something washed that truck, and it showed it. And she somehow got hooked up to that truck, and she took that truck to its final destination. And ever since then, that cold feeling in that truck disappeared. Wow. Now, is that a story? That's a story. But I was... Sitting in a semi, I don't remember where, a truck stop reading this, and I just got cold shivers all over me when I read this. I can imagine. And I couldn't wait to get through. Well, I'm glad you made it through, sir. Thank you. And again, that's weird. It's like, do you think uh, it was the spirit of the person who originally had that truck? Or were our machines... And things, energy uh, in the sense that people have energy, or maybe in a different but similar sense. I don't know. So many questions, so few answers, huh? So many questions.
On our first-time caller line, you're on the air. Oh, Mr. Bell? Hi. Oh, I can't believe I got through to you. You made it. Where are you? Uh, I'm the unknown caller, but I'm west of the Rockies. Okay. All right. Hey, um, I'm listening to your ghost show, and I listened to you last year, and I thought it was great. That's why I'm staying up tonight listening to it. Yes, sir. I'm an atheist like Mark. Yes. And uh, there's a lot of things I don't believe, and I listen to these ghost stories, and I throw them away. But there is something that happened to me, like when I was 20 years old, I had a roommate, and she was a single mother. We lived in a two-bedroom apartment, you know, totally platonic and everything like that. And one night, in the middle of the night, she comes blasting into my room, crying and screaming that she saw her father, her dead father, standing over her sister's casket. And her sister was just, you know, like 18 years old. Mm. And her sister wasn't dead. And she said her father was telling her, your sister's going to be hurt. She's not going to die, but it's going to be close. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm going, well, anyway, I calm her down and, you know, get her back into bed. And, uh, anyway, the next day, we get, get a phone call from her mother saying that her sister was uh, seriously injured in a car wreck. Mm-hmm. And uh, go to the hospital and everything and see her, and she's like in ICU, you know. I mean, sure. Barely hanging on by a thread. And... I never gave much thought to it, you know. Uh, okay, her sister pulled through and stuff. But um, it's always bugged me that, that like, the day before the accident happened, uh, my roommate came in and screaming and crying that she saw her, her deceased father over her sister's casket just right there in her bedroom. So it, it, it bugs you? Yeah. Then you're not an atheist. Well... You're, an, always, you're uh, an agnostic. Um, no, an agnostic is just a gutless atheist, I've always thought. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'm listening to your show again, and this is bringing up stuff that there's stuff well, that I don't, we don't I, know. Yeah, I, that's the whole point. I mean, how can you listen to this? You know, these are serious stories. As you know, I treat it seriously, and so my callers do. And how can you listen to this and not become a gutless atheist? Well, yeah, that's exactly right. I, you know, I don't believe everyone calls your show is a liar. They're not. These things are stuff that happens. These things do happen. Yeah. I appreciate your call, sir. I thank you for the call. I mean, how can you be? How can you listen? And then how can you say there is nothing? When we die, we just simply pass into blackness, into nothingness, that this life all goes for naught, that the energy that is our being beyond our physical bodies is not, does not exist, I don't think so. No, I'm sorry, sir, you sound more like the gutless atheist you described. Or put more uh, uh, digestibly, an agnostic. Back to it we go, and on the wild card line, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning, Art. This is Judy, and I'm in Oregon. Okay. And I wanted to tell you that uh, we live in a haunted house. Oh, now you do? Oh, yes, we do. We have for about eight years. Uh, Would you turn your radio off for us, please? Yes. Matt, turn the radio off. Yes, Matt. Extinguish it. 
I'm sorry. That's quite all right. All right. So, in what what form of manifestation do you get? Well, when uh, we bought it, we it's a, actually an antique store, and we live upstairs. And when we bought it, uh, I moved in before my husband did to get things straightened out. And the first day I was there, I went and was cleaning and everything, and it's on the second floor. And I went out the back door onto a porch area and uh, was shaking out some rugs. And uh, all of a sudden, the door slammed behind me. And uh, it's a very large store, over about 8,000 square feet. So Mm -hmm. I'm up there all by myself. It's getting dusk, and I couldn't get back in. Oh, boy. And uh, it faces the river, so there's I don't have too many neighbors. Finally, I did notice somebody next door about 20 minutes later walking around, and I'm yelling and screaming to him to come help me get out sure. back inside. So he did come around and jump the fence, and I had left the door open downstairs, found his way upstairs, and lo and behold, he says, how did you get out there? And I says, well, I went out through the door. I have a deadbolt on that door, and he had to open the deadbolt to get me in. <laughs> so, and that was the first of many, many experiences. And uh, well, I've always people, wanted to ask somebody this, and so I'm going to ask you. Yes. Why, pray tell, are you still there? <laughs> well, it uh, they're not they're not anything but uh, pranksters. I don't, I'm not afraid of them. So it's more of a sort of a pulling tricks on you kind of deal. Yes, yes, because another incident was downstairs we have things like, um, you know, the Jim Bean decanter bottles. We oh, yes. sell those as collectibles. And uh, we went down, and it's on a cement floor. And one morning we went down, and there was six of them in a circle on the floor, about four feet from the shelf. Mm. So... Things like that happen all the time, and people are there when they happen, too. I wonder in the paranormal world what a circle of booze bottles means. <laughs> I, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> they're young people, and I'm sure they don't have ID cards. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the call. Thank you, Art. You take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> and I'm sure they don't have ID. East of the Rockies, you're on the air on Ghost to Ghost AM. Hi. Hi, Art. This is Angela in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Hello, Angela. How's Cheyenne? Ah, uh, cold. Cold. <laughs> yeah, I hear it's starting to get cold up there. It is. Um, there was a guy that called earlier, and he mentioned something about Effie Warren. Yes. Uh, I wanted to say it is haunted. I've heard several stories uh, from out there. About the airbase? Mm-hmm. It's here in Cheyenne, and it is haunted. Well, any place where many deaths have occurred, um, particularly a combative kind of death is a place where spirits linger. Yeah. I just wanted to plug that real quick, and then I had a story that I wanted to tell you. Okay, real quick. <laughs> um, I guess about six months ago, my little brother came out of my house, and he was telling me uh, that a friend of his, she was a young lady, newlywed, had two really, really young children, had just found out she had cancer, and she was going to be passing away soon. The doctor didn't give her more than about two weeks. All right, I'll tell you what. That's a good cliffhanger. We're not going to be able to finish, so I'm going to put you on hold <laughs> okay. and let you hold. Uh, you won't hear anything. Don't let it worry you, uh, and we'll, we'll get back to you after the break, all right? Okay. All right, stay right there. 
in Cheyenne, where it's beginning to get cold. Would that be cold as in universal, or would that be cold as in cold spots? We'll be right back. Continue with your calls to the Kingdom of Nine and Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Now here again is Art. Hey there, it's Halloween. Have I freaked you out yet? Have they? Well, right by with my tail in the air. Stay tuned. From the high desert, where the moon hangs by about half. It's kind of eerie out there right now. This is Coast to Coast. Now, Ghost to Ghost. And now back to our ghostly young lady. And um, you're back on the air again. Hello. Hi. Hi. Okay. Um... My brother was really devastated about uh, this young lady when he found out that she was passing away. He was a friend. All right, get get into that telephone and talk up now. Okay. Um. Anyway, is that better? That's a little better. You got to stay into it and talk. Project. <clears throat> okay. So my brother was friends with this lady, but I didn't know her, and right. uh, my heart really went out to her though, thinking that she was going to pass away and leave those two young children, and uh her husband behind, and I kept thinking about her, and I just, I couldn't get her out of my mind, like day and night for, let's say, four or five days, and I was standing in my bathroom, and uh, I felt something really strange, like almost a, a finger or something going across the top of my head, and I put my hand up there, and there was some kind of like a sticky goo on the top of my head. You'd been slimed. <laughs> That my husband said too. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got a good sense of humor. I don't know if it had anything to do with her, but it was just really weird. Well, it might have, uh, but it's a good slime story, and I, I thank you for bringing it to us. We get one at least one every Halloween. There is something about ghosts or entities or whatever you want to call them that many times involves a kind of strange slime. So when they did Ghostbusters, uh, they kind of did a play on that, but uh, there's nothing to play with. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. How are you? I'm okay. Um, I don't have an actual story, but actually I wanted to um, answer kind of a question you asked earlier about Ouija boards, like um, whether or not one could get them. And you might find this pretty scary, but... Um, Apparently, it's been it's marketed by uh, Parker Brothers. Actually, not like I think a couple days ago, I just saw a commercial about a bunch of kids playing Ouija board. Really? Yeah. So it's well, like, I mean like that's a, fine. Uh, I guess you can get them if you want to get them. Go ahead. My advice is, 
Don't do it. I, you don't have to tell me. Actually, I kind of think it's a stupid thing that they're doing. I'm, I'm an occultist myself, so I, I studied this field, and so. Look, really it's, think... look, it's just a board. If Parker Brothers wants to uh, sell it, that's fine. It's like sitting down. It doesn't matter whether, in my opinion, whether it's a Ouija board or some other instrument that you're inviting, uh, you're, you're concentrating on, and you're consciously inviting an entity to you. You know not what you do. It's not like Monopoly. It's not like playing Monopoly where you're worried about getting a hotel to wipe the other guy out. You're sitting down to consciously invite an entity to direct you. It is not a good idea, whether it's a Ouija board or whether it's a, a, a Monopoly board or anything else. If the intent is to invite something in, you'd be damn sure you think hard about it before you invite something in you don't want to keep you company. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Hi. Yeah, I want to speak to Bart. Bart. Uh, this is uh, this is Bart. Bart Simpson. Bart. Um, turn your radio off, please. Yes, I just did. Mm -hmm. Okay, go right ahead. Hi, Art. Hi. Yeah, I've just um, oh, so weird. I just got um, it's not really a ghost story. It's about my brother who died, and um, he died like maybe about five years ago. And uh, when he was younger, he had a car wreck, and um, I guess what you'd call it a near-death experience. He uh, was in a hospital for a long time. Yes. Um, and um, I'm kind of nervous. I'm sorry. I can tell. That's all right. Yeah. Uh, I can feel his presence now. When he was younger, he had a near-death experience, and uh, it's, um, I think he... And since he um, lived, I always thought he was like, special. But he always said, like you know, he's he's just it's not special. He thought it's like everybody had the power. Well, why did you think he was special? Um, he was always interested in kung fu and the things like uh, martial arts and power that martial arts uh, contribute to, uh, um, like um, extra strength and. Well, I don't know about that, but it does, thank you, contribute to a concentration, and the martial arts uh, focus you, and whenever you focus, you can run into something you might not expect. Here's an interesting fact that just showed up. Art, I just got off work, and it took me a while to settle down and a couple of stiff drinks so I can tell this to you. I've been home for about an hour now, and this is just exactly what happened. Let me start out. I work at a hospital emergency room. Consider myself a level-headed guy. I do, did not believe in ghosts, that is. Tonight I was riding my bicycle home from work. In point of fact, I was listening to you, reminiscing that it had been about a year since I'd been riding home at night, alone. It's been almost one year to the hour since my old riding buddy was killed while riding alone on this same street last year. We generally had rode together all the time. On this particular night, I'd called in ill, stayed home. My buddy Phil was run over by a drunk driver, not found for an hour or more, and died en route to the hospital. His bloodstains still marked the curb where his head struck, snapping his lower neck. Tonight, while riding home, I became aware of a feeling 
of having something like the sound of a car tire behind me, and yet there were no cars on the street. I kept hearing the sound, kept looking around. The sound got so loud, I could hear the you know, through the radio. In other words, I was listening to the radio. I finally took off the headphones, stopped, and looked down the street. I saw Phil standing on his back next to me. As fast as light, I got on my bike and sped home. Phil stayed with me until I reached the crossroads where he died. I swear, I saw him, big as life. I can't tell you if I was having a 60s flashback or not. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hello there. Hello. Yes, sir. All right. Yes. Uh, I wanted to give you a little story about my experience with the Ouija board. All right. Where are you? This is Dan from Fairbanks. Yes, Dan. Uh, I was about uh, 18, just graduated from high school, and this girl and I were playing with the Ouija board one night, and uh, didn't think much of it, and I went home, and... Uh, Woke up the next morning, and I had a big antique Chinese mirror that sat on my dresser. It was, oh, probably three foot by four foot, probably weighed about 60 or 70 pounds. Mm-hmm. When I woke up, this mirror was sitting right at the foot of my bed on the floor, face down. Well, I didn't think much of it, except that I had a bunch of model cars uh, that I had collected and built, and bottles of cologne and stuff sitting on top of my dresser, and nothing had been disturbed, which meant that for this mirror to get where it was, it would have had to have been lifted up off of the dresser, over everything that was on the dresser, moved about two feet from the dresser, turned at a 90-degree angle, and laid face down on the floor. Hmm. Well, and that, that, that next night, we played with the Ouija board again, went home, went to bed, Early in the morning, about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, I hear this big, loud crash. I wake up. The mirror's in the same position on the floor, in the same exact spot, with the mirror broken to a 100 or so little pieces, and everything on the dresser was laying all over the floor. <laughs> Needless well, to say, that was the last time I ever touched a Ouija board. Good for you. Uh, thank you very much. Again, you invite things in when you do that, and you don't know what you're inviting in. It's like opening a door to a world where things exist, good and bad. Do you invite strangers into your home? Do you call on the street uh, when somebody passes and invite them into your home, not knowing them? No. Then why would you want to do it with a Ouija? East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art. This is Robert from New Orleans. Hello, Robert. First, let me say I got your book yesterday. Oh, you did! I am very, very happy. I'm, is, is that, tell everybody, I, I've really not been soliciting comment yet, but is that one quality book or what? Oh, yes, sir, it is. It's much better than I thought it would be. Well, there you are. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Uh, we'll, we'll do a day later this week and solicit comment. Anyway, um, it is Ghost to Ghost Night. Okay, Art, in New Orleans, I, I, I guess you know we bury people above ground here. I've heard. Right, well, um... My grandmother's buried in one of these uh, old cemeteries. Yes, sir. We go and we clean them out every so often, you know, clean up around them and weed them. And me and my younger son will go walking and looking for the dates 
on each one of these uh, tombs. As we're going through one day, we notice that a couple of them have been broken into. So we start looking into them, and we're seeing that uh, you know the bodies have been disturbed, the caskets are open or broken or chipped out in corners. Oh, boy. As we go to one of the oldest ones, which is about a block down from my grandmother, it was an eight-year-old girl who died during the time that there was a bad scarlet fever going around in New Orleans where thousands of people had died. Yes, sir. As I climb up to look in there, I notice there are two bodies in there, but these are recent bodies, like a day or two. You mean like the people who had been desecrating? Uh, yes, that's exactly who they were. There was two of them, two young men, one face down and one face up. The one face up had an expression on his face like you've never seen in your life. Um, I ran and told the, uh, the keepers of the ground, and they called the police, and the police came and everything. And uh, wow. two weeks later, I had called to ask, you know, what had happened to the guys. And it's as far as I can tell, both guys had died of heart attacks. And the one who I saw, I'm sure, died of fright. And they said the coffin where the little girl had been in was, of course, opened. It was a metal coffin at the time. And uh, they said they guess they were robbing it at the time, and something happened that scared them to death. <laughs> oh, my God, what a story. You, that's a true story? Oh, yes, it's very true. Uh, my, my son talks about it all the time, and every Halloween, it's the first thing we start telling the rest of the family about. Oh, well, thank you for sharing that with us. And I, No, I really do mean that, thank you, but that is a scary story. Yeah, it, was, uh, it so still bothers we, me once in a while. We now. can only imagine what they saw. Uh, I know what they saw. They, that little girl took her revenge when they tried to break into her coffin. Thank you for the call. All righty. Take care, Art. Take care. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Oh, hi, Art. Hello I'm there. Mary from Bakersfield. Hi, Mary. How you doing? Oh, pretty good, but that one did scare me. Oh, boy. That, that, oh, <laughs> I boy. I can just imagine that. Uh, if I'm mine a... scared me, that one scared me more. <laughs> <laughs> now, right. this happened when I was about 18, 19 it was about 3.30 in the morning, I guess, and it was winter time. Kind of like about now. Well, no, it's not cold up here yet. No, I meant the time. It's a little oh, yeah. Before four. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was asleep in bed, and I woke up, and I was sleeping on my left side, and all of a sudden I woke up, and I turned over to my right side, and I was facing the door of the bedroom, and being cold, I had the habit of throwing the covers over my head. Well, I did that this time, and all of a sudden, about maybe two, three minutes passed, and I started getting scared, very, mm-hmm. very frightened, mm-hmm. and I tried to come out from under the covers, and I couldn't pull them off, and I mean, I clawed at them and just pulled, and I couldn't. Oh, I wouldn't like that. And all of a sudden... Covers some... are supposed to protect you. Well, these didn't. Yeah. Since then, I've never slept with the covers on my head ever since then. <laughs> but all of a sudden, Boy. there was a scream in my ear, just a shrill scream, that my head just, you know how you feel when you're, you've been screamed in your ear when you were small before, you know, kids? Sure. And my head just, uh, I mean, it just vibrated the way that scream. And I tried to call my father. And I'd open my mouth, and nothing would come out. And I'd just be open and gasping and trying to call. Yeah. And finally, I managed to say, Daddy, just barely got it out. Yes. And when I said that, then the covers came off. I was still trying to take them off, and they came off. 
all of a sudden. And, well, like I said, ever since then, I just do not sleep with the covers over my head, not a sheet. My dear lady, I've heard a lot of I jumped onto the cover story. Well, stories, but I have never, never, never heard I went under the covers and then tried to get out and the covers wouldn't come off. That's they would not. Awful. I know. They just would not come off. And like I said, I still do not sleep under with my head under the covers anymore. I can't say I blame you, but it's like, gee, there's nowhere to hide. Well, hide under the bed. <laughs> there's no place. Get underneath the bed or someplace. Well... But, Look, I, I appreciate your story. It is uh, unlike any I have ever heard, and I'm afraid it's going to have to be the topper for the uh, oh uh, for the day. I'm afraid. Uh, well, I'll be. You know, the night just kind mm-hmm. of flew by, as it were. Well, I've been trying for quite a few years to get in. This is the first time I managed. You've been trying for years. Well, about four or five years. <laughs> I kind of wish you wouldn't say that. It discourages people. Oh, it I'll... shouldn't because I finally got through. We'll see. There you are. All right. Uh-huh. Uh, I'll Goodbye. All right. Well, wait a minute. Wait a but. minute. Wait a minute. There's there's a tradition here. Oh. With our last caller. Oh. You get to say, "Good night, America." Oh, good. Good night, America. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Well, it has been fun and a little scary, but you tend to get what you ask for, and I wanted scary stories, and y'all did not disappoint me. That last one from New Orleans kind of got to me though. At any rate, uh, again, I want to remind you to get a copy and archive of this program stripped of the commercials with only the frightening content remaining. (laughs) You can call 1-800-917-4278. Let me give you that number one more time. 1-800-917-4278. Thank you all who joined us during the night. And all I guess I can say is... (laughs) From the high desert. Good night, America.